And salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn relation on the planet at the John Campion Show. Coming from right here on my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I, of course, am John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming. We got a full house in here today sitting beside me. We got Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Beside him is, of course, the wonderful Chris Carr. Back there, sitting in Ray's seat, but he's helping out here, of course, is Taylor. We got Jonathan running the show today, and of course, Alou is in, helping us host today as well. And most importantly, you guys are here, and we are so glad that you are, and you decided to take out a little bit of your day to talk some movies and TV with us, and we're glad that you did. Okay, guys, here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it down into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics, then in the second half of the show... We're going to take your live comments and questions. That happens in two ways. Number one, you got to be watching live. Number two, when we get to the end of the main topics, we'll announce that we're opening up the Super Chats. That'll be your time to fire in your thoughts, theories, opinions, and questions, and we will address those in the second half of the show. A little bit of a programming note. Uh, some of you who listen to us on the podcast feed, by the way, did you know we have a podcast feed? But some of you who listen to the podcast feed may have noticed that the last couple of shows have not gone up on the podcast feed. That's because the guy who puts our things up on the podcast feed is not here. Uh, but those will be going up in the next day or two. All the previous shows that are missing right now, they will go up and you will have them. Don't worry about it. All right. With that all down. Oh, I forgot two other things. Two other things. Number one, at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time today, we will, of course, be having our Andor after show open spoiler discussion talking about Andor episode eight. There was a lot of surprises in that one. I cannot wait for us to talk about it. But also a little bit later tonight, I believe 9.30 is a good time. 9.30 tonight. That's 9.30 Los Angeles time. It is Reaction Watch for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. The world premiere is tonight. And that means that the reaction embargo is lifted as soon as the premiere is over. So sometime after 9.30, the, re the reactions and reviews for Black Panther 2 will start to spill out. Rob and I will be going live at 9.30. We'll be keeping an eye on all the breaking news of the reactions coming out for Black Panther 2. And we hope that you guys will come and join us for that. All right, guys. With all that down, let's get into it. We're going to start off with an off the top, and that is this. You know, DC fans got really excited a couple of years ago when they announced that they were going to be doing a Green Lantern HBO Max series. It was a really interesting idea. I never thought they would do Green Lantern on HBO, but a cool idea. They brought in a showrunner, Seth Graham Smith, to run and oversee the show and write it and all that kind of stuff. And it was basically going to revolve around the original Green Lantern, whose name is eluding me right now. Alan Scott. Alan Scott and... Um, Oh, I just had his name. Hal, uh, it was Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan and Al Scott is who was going to revolve around. Well, a lot of people have been wondering, hey, where are the updates for that Green Lantern HBO series? Well, here's an update. It's going back to the drawing board. Uh, as apparently the showrunner has left and they have now decided to completely retool it. It is no longer going to be about Alan Scott and Hal Jordan. Now they've decided to take it in a completely different direction. They're going to base it on Jon Stewart, Green Lantern and maybe some Guy Gardner in there as well. Not really sure. Needless to say, it's going to be a completely different show now. This comes to us from the folks at The Hollywood Reporter who write, HBO's Max's long gestating Green Lantern TV series is changing gears. 
The drama that has been in the works since late 2019 will now focus on Jon Stewart, one of DC's first black superheroes. The series from executive producer Greg Berlanti was originally to have revolved around Guy Gardner and Alan Scott and had already cast Film Whitrock uh, from Ratchet and Jeremy Irvine in the respective as respective Green Lanterns. Part of the creative overhaul, writer and showrunner Seth Graham Smith has departed the series after completing scripts for the full eight-episode season. Sources say Graham Smith, who signed on as writer and showrunner a year after Green Lantern was announced, chose to leave the project after weathering a number of regime changes at HBO Max and its parent company, producers Warner Brothers. So, yeah, so much for that. So if you were hoping that we are going to get one anytime soon, sorry. Uh, the one thing about this that I am a little disappointed about is that, to me... Personally, the definitive Green Lantern is Hal Jordan. So I was kind of hoping that it would revolve around Hal Jordan. That being said, for a lot of people who are like the generation younger than me, for them growing up, their Green Lantern was probably Jon Stewart. So that would probably be good news for that. I'm just, but for me personally, the Hal Jordan, I mean, you know, when I was reading like with Parallax and all that kind of stuff, that that's a definitive Green Lantern story to me in the fall of Hal Jordan and everything. Hal Jordan was my Green Lantern, but that's cool. It's just unfortunate now that they have to lose their showrunner. They got to go back to the drawing board. This is going to be about a totally different character now. So they're probably going to be able to keep a bunch of story elements, but rework a lot in. Anyway, Rob, you hear about this changeover. What's your takeaway? I never thought this was going to happen. <laughs> I mean, despite, look, if you're going to make a show, you make a show. <laughs> I mean, and the fact that they announced this in 2019, and of course, obviously the regime changes were part of the problem but if you're going to make a show you make a show if you hire a showrunner and you pull the trigger on a show they cast this show um they would have made it and i i think that that it's not surprising the a green lantern show is not like i mean if you're going to make an earthbound green lantern show which you can do i mean in the 70s there's a great run of green lantern where green lantern and green arrow uh, went to discover america Yay. basically went on a long extended road trip um which was cool but you know you want to see the green lantern core you want to go into space this isn't a cheap show to make you can't just have them running around la so i just it doesn't surprise me i really love green lantern i mean i really like jeff john's long run on the green lantern comic i'd love to see something like that done with the with all the different colors of the rainbow lanterns yes. you know i liked all that i just didn't think this was ever going to happen and it's not and it's not. <laughs> and there it is. You heard it here first, Chris. You hear about the changeover. Clearly, this is going to cause another delay yeah. of some sorts. But what do you think about the move? I mean, I am a big Jon Stewart fan because that was my Green Lantern. The The Justice League animated series run of, of this was so good, especially once mm -hmm. we got into Unlimited and everything. They handled mm -hmm. Jon so, so well. Um, Kyle Rayner's another really great Lantern. What I loved about Alan Scott, though, for an HBO series, right? Not a CW series, an HBO series, was Alan Scott's life was messed up and yeah, tragic. Yeah, it was not, not and not a fun story for, for those of you who might not might be more casual comic book fans the the term um fridging women in refrigerator syndrome right that gail simone coined it comes from the green lantern stories because of his girlfriend being shoved into a fridge after she was brutally murdered and the imagery is one of the most terrifying things in comics ever because your mind makes it so much worse than yeah. what it probably actually is just because of the kind of suggested way she was murdered. Right. Um, so for that to go on HBO, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be 
dark and and gritty and really really intense but i'm i'm also like rob though where you know the axe has been swinging around i really didn't have high hopes for this and frankly give me a kilowog show you cowards <laughs> that's what i want that sounds like a cheap show to make that all cgi all the time <laughs> a little bit of kilowog. by the way it should also be noted that the hollywood reporter story did point out that I know the timing is interesting, but that this had nothing to do with yeah. the new leadership coming into D.C., which we'll be talking about in just a little bit. Oh, anyway. shoot. That was Kyle Rayner, not Alan Scott. That's my bad, you guys. Oh, okay. Thank you so much. Sorry about that. But Alan Scott's story is messed yes, up. Yes, it is as well. Alan Scott doesn't have girlfriends. No, well, that's true, too. Yeah. Yes. Uh, anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this changeover? If you've been waiting for the Green Lantern series, you're probably going to have to wait a little bit longer, but they are making the character changeover to Jon Stewart, who is probably a more popular choice for some of the younger fans of Green Lantern. So could be interesting. How do you guys feel about this? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right. Hello. What do we got up next? All right, up next is our Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. To hear your voice on the show and have your question answered, you're going to give us a call and leave a message at 951-268-4259. And our Mint Mobile question of today comes from James, who's asking about the adaptation of source material. Hey, John and crew, this is James from Super Texas, and I was want to know what your thoughts are. I just saw an article from the producer of the X-Men 97 animated series, and he said that his number one requirement when being able to pick his team of writers and produce stuff like that for the show was that they had to be fans of the X-Men. Because he said that when he worked on The Witcher, there were writers and people who worked on the show who were not fans, would mock the original source material, and he said that it caused a not-so-good environment for the crew. So I was wondering, what do y'all think about this? All right, think. Bring on the selfie. All right, James, thanks a lot for saying that. And, you know, this is a question that comes up once in a while about how important is it for filmmakers, creators, writers, whatever, to be who are adapting older source material to be fans of that original source material. Number one, it never hurts. Uh, but in the question of do they need to be fans of the original source material? No, no, they really don't. They a hundred percent don't. And actually it's kind of funny that he brings up the Witcher that some of the people working on the Witcher just weren't fans of the original source material. The Witcher's awesome. So if the Witcher is a result of getting in people who weren't actually fans of the original source material, awesome. Do that. Now, as far as the story about, you know, they would mock the original source material and it caused problems. Well, the problem isn't that you had writers or creatives that weren't fans of the original source material. The problem is you had writers and creators who were assholes. That's a totally different thing. <laughs> that, that has nothing to do about whether they are fans of the original source material or not. And newsflash, just because you hire somebody who's a fan of original source material would not stop them from being assholes. If there are people causing problems on your set, <laughs> because they, didn't, they weren't fans of the original source material. Look, We've talked about this before. We've gone down laundry lists before of some of the worst films ever made that were based on adapted source material. And they were made by like the biggest fans of the world of that source material. Again, in an all other things being equal scenario, being a fan of that source material is definitely a positive. That's 100% a positive. Is it absolutely necessary? Listen, when, when writers and creatives make up new original stories, they're not pre-existing fans of some, you know, uh, nebulous source material that doesn't exist. They just come in and say, we've got this character. 
we have these things we understand about this character, and we're going to try to write a compelling, wonderful story about this character and the things we know. And you can learn about that stuff. So this whole idea, I just, whenever I hear like, oh, this is going to be great. Why? Because the director they announced is a big fan of the original thing. It's like, I've seen that song and dance a dozen times before, and many times it turns out horribly. So it's not some make or break thing. So, hey, listen, if they're the showrunner of X-Men 97 and they're in charge of it, and they feel that for them, it's going to be a better work environment if we get fans of the original X-Men and everything in there too. Great, more power to you. But is it a necessary thing? I, I don't think so. I, I just think history shows that it's not. Anyway, Rob, this is a question we've discussed a lot. And I think even you and I, over the years, we've gone back and forth a little bit on it. But what are your thoughts for what James is asking? Well, I don't I, I don't think you do have to be a, a fan of the source material. I always go back to Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan. Nicholas Meyer had not seen Star Trek. Didn't know about Star Trek. But here's what you have to be. You have to respect the source material. Sure, yes. And anybody who's working on something has to understand, like, if you're working on, if you take on a franchise that's been around for a long time, what Nicholas Meyer did was he jumped in to see, he talked to Gene Roddenberry, found out, you know, what, are the, what were the, some of the things that inspired you? And then he watched Star Trek. And he watched it with an open mind, thinking, okay, he didn't look down at it. He's like, this is a successful franchise. It's been around for a long time. Why is it successful? Nicholas Meyer is a very highly educated, he was a novelist, he was a playwright, he was also a filmmaker, he'd made time after time. He was just a smart person that understood, okay, this storyline is, it has existed and has a fan base and it's now being made into a second film, for what reason? And I think a smart pe person can identify why something is good and delve into that. Because I think a great storyteller, like my favorite director, Stanley Kubrick, he mostly adapted novels. But he worked in many different genres because he was smart. And I think when you go into something, whether it's The Witcher, whether it's Star Trek, whether it's the X-Men, I mean, you have to understand the X-Men's been around for a long time, since the 60s. It meant a lot to a lot of people. And you can look into it by doing even a cursory deep dive on one afternoon. You can understand why the X-Men means something. And then when you go in and watch the 92 animated series, if you don't respect the animated series, don't work on the show. But if you can identify as an intellectual, creative individual what that show is, what it means, and how it works, and how it's going to relate back to the original series, I think you can do a good job. The problem is, I think, when you get creators that feel they're beneath or that the, the material's beneath them, that they would rather be working on something well, else. That's true or they of any see genre, as, right? Yeah, of any genre. Mm -hmm. Or they see it as a stepping stone to something else. I hate that. I hate that. And you, you hear it in their interviews. Like someone who said, I never liked Star Trek growing up, but they gave me the Star Trek movie to direct, so, meh. I mean, what, I, Are like, you talking about someone specific? or? Oh, you know. Huh. Just leave that out there. The, huh. writer, I mean, the writer is one thing, actors are another, but we hear the same question about actors. Like, actors need to have been... Christian Bale was famously not a huge Batman guy before he got the role. And, and he, to most people's, most people's favorite Batman. Mine mm -hmm. is Ben, but for most people's favorite Batman. Anyway, Chris... You hear about this and like, where do you fall on this whole discussion? I mean, from an acting perspective, too, you just do the research, right? You yeah. do the research and find what you have in common with this character. You don't have to be a diehard fan. It's cool when you are. It's cool when we have people who, you know, dressed as Spider-Man as kids becoming Spider-Man. It's really cool when you have somebody like David Tennant become the doctor who was obsessed with Doctor Who as a child. Same with Peter Capaldi, who was the president of the fan club. But it's not necessary. But I think it's kind of a column A, column B situation. I think at least in a writer's room, you want people from all walks. You want people 
people who have a, a fandom, an appreciation, all of that. But you want people who can play outside that sandbox and give some grounded things. Laura Donnie, who gave us the famous line, right, in WandaVision of what is grief but love persevering. She's not a comic book person. She's an incredible writer who gave us a brilliant, brilliant scene with one of the most iconic lines that have come out of Marvel, you know? But you have to have this balance of what I'm doing isn't just this thing like Rob was talking about. You have to respect it. You have to appreciate it. But we've seen diehard fans who go a little too overboard or a little or a little too precious with material. And it comes out to be a weird storyboard hodgepodge mess. So I think it really just comes down to great vision. Whether you're a fan or not, yeah. it doesn't matter. But the respect needs to be there. And you say the same thing about like historical things based on historical events, Absolutely. right? Like you may not have come out as goes, I was ever since high school, I was the biggest fan of this historical event. But if you're going to do a story about it, you take time, you research, you figure it out, mm -hmm. you get your own vision and you go for it. So, I mean, it's just, and, or you get something like Black Adam. The Rock is a, has been a huge, he's been very, very vocal about how big he is on that character for, for over a decade, right? How respectful do you think this Black Adam movie is to the source material? Not very. But it made for a real damn fun movie. So at the end of the day, it's it's six and one half dozen the other. I don't think it really matters that much. Anyway, thanks so much for calling that in. And by the way, guys, don't forget, you can call in a Mint Mobile hotline question. Maybe you'll, you'll hear yours on our next episode. Okay, guys, with that down, we're going to take a second here and thank one of the sponsors of today's show. They make my favorite shirts, my friends at True Classic. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's episode, True Classic. This brand new sponsor has the absolute best fitting t-shirts that a man can buy. Finding the right t-shirt with a little bit of a dad bod is incredibly frustrating. Most t-shirts are either way too tight on your gut or look way too big and boxy. You're not in high school anymore and it's time to upgrade. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men finally get a better fit at an affordable price. And the John Campy Show viewers and listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off using the code CAMPIA at trueclassic.com. Look, you and I both know that almost all of men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six packs. But let's be honest, that's not most of us. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt that you can always confidently throw on. Like most of you guys, ever since college, I have always struggled to find proper fitting t-shirts that are comfortable. Well, True Classic from the moment I put on the shirt they sent me solves it. And True Classic doesn't just stop at tees. From polos and workout shirts with the same flattering fit. Upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic. Get 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code CAMPIA. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. 100% risk-free guarantee with a 30-day refund policy. Stay classy with True Classic. Your dad bod will thank you. Are we back? We're back. Oh, yeah. oh, wow. That was a smooth transition. <laughs> when we turn Hi. off the monitor, we're lost. <laughs> and thank you to our friends. Yeah, once we turn off our reference monitor, we're completely lost. Uh, yeah, what are we talking about? Yes, thank you to our friends at True Classic for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. I'm like... Um, Oh, uh, who's the anchorman again? Ron Burgundy. I'm Ron Burgundy. I'm Whatever Ron you put Burgundy? in front of me or don't put in front of me, I'm lost without it. <laughs> All right, guys, here's what we're going to do before we move into our next topic. We're going to play a little game of password here, of movie password, high intensity, high stakes competition here. We haven't done one of these in almost a week. So I think I thought it was time for us to get into doing a little bit of fun. Our MVP, Ray, is obviously not here. He's still at home recovering at the moment. He'll be back in here soon, though. So I thought we would uh, get a rousing game going with Rob and Chris and Alou. 
and see how these guys do. So here's how Movie Password works. I'm going to give a clue to the first player. If they can guess what the movie actor, director, something from a movie, whatever is in the first guess, they get six points. If they don't get it, the second player gets a second clue worth five points. If they don't get it, then it goes the third player with a third clue worth four points, and so on and so forth until we get down to something being worth one point. We're going to do six rounds, and whoever has the most points at the end of those rounds wins. <laughs> so I think Rob won our last one. Yes. He finally yeah. broke the goose egg. I know. He, uh, he broke the seal. He's now up and running. So let's get into it here, and we're going to start with round one. And uh, Taylor, think of a number between one and ten. Okay. Alu, pick a, say a number between one and ten. Three. Chris? Five. Rob? Seven. What was the number? Six. We'll give it to Rob. Okay. <laughs> Rob will go first. So, Rob, here it is. For round number one, your first clue is gun. Three, two. James. Incorrect. <laughs> All right. Chris, for five points, okay. the first clue was gun. Mm -hmm. Your second clue is horror. Slither. Correct, for yeah. five points. So Chris comes out swinging. She goes in the lead with five points. You finally got a point for once. Was that, is that your I first see. point? I think it's my first point. I always I always lose this. I'm and usually the most in. consistent loser. You're on in the game. lead here. All All right. You're okay on over-under, but this Over-under, I'm fine. Yeah. This one, I... All right. Pooch constantly. Now we move on to round number two. We're going to. Chris is actually going to start us off in this okay. one. All right, Chris, for six points, your first clue is us. Jordan Peele? For six points. <laughs> I just had a feeling you were going to get. Oh. For six points. This is to make up for my literally pooping. And Alou hasn't even had a chance to have a guess yet. And we're already 11 ahead. She's Yay! up by 11. Whoa. Okay, that was kind of monstrous. All right. <laughs> That's me. That's my tagline. Chris Carr, kind of monstrous. We move on to round number three, and Alou finally gets to get into the game here. Alou, your first clue is Johnson. Black Adam? Good guess, but incorrect. <laughs> All right, Rob, we go over to you. For five points and to get on the board, the first clue was Johnson. The second clue is Heart. Central intelligence. Incorrect. Oh, no. All right, Chris, we go over to you. Okay. For four points, the first clue is Johnson. Second clue is heart. Third clue is black. Super pets? <laughs> Incorrect. Oh. Alou, we go over to you for three points. The first clue is Johnson. Second clue is heart. Third clue is black. Fourth clue is Kasdan. Oh. Three. Jumanji? Correct oh, for yay! three points. Whoa. What does heart have to do with uh, Directed, of course, by Kasdan. The next okay, two clues heart. are going to be 2017 oh, and oh, Archer. You're thinking like heart. Like, I was thinking like. He's got heart. heart. <laughs> no, not Kevin Hart. So God. what's our score right now? Halfway through. All right. So three, halfway right? through the game, Chris is in the lead with 11 points. Alu is in second place with three points. And Rob is in last place with zero points. Well, there's still of... 18 points up for grabs. Oh, so it's gosh. still anybody's game here. So we go into round number four. Who did we just start with? We start with Alu, Alu. right? Uh -huh. All right. We go over to Rob. Rob, for six points, your first clue is Christmas. Three, two, Star-Lord. Oh, I like where your mind was going, though. <laughs> uh, but incorrect. All right. 
Chris for five points and actually the win. Because <laughs> oh, if you get this, oh, you are pressure you now. I'm gonna, be I'm, gonna, I'm gonna drop the ball. Mm, have All right. Clinched. For five points, your first clinched. clue is Christmas. Your okay. second clue is Carrie. The Grinch. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah. We'll accept that for five yeah. points. Chris, that gives Chris how many now? 16, 16 points. Oh, you're not. You haven't you haven't won yet. You have oh. not clinched yet. Is okay. that still 12 points up for grab? Wait, she's got 16? 16. Yeah. Oh, then she has no, one. No, she has one. Yeah. She cannot be caught. We got the rest of it. That's right. Yeah. So uh, now it's a battle for second place. Okay. But Chris can play spoiler. All right. We're moving to quite after four. We already got our winner after round four. Yeah, All it's because right. we're not playing for anyone today. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Round number five. And this is on Chris. Okay. Your first clue for six points and a ridiculous score <laughs> is marriage. Three, two, one, time. All right. Marriage story. Is this question four or five? This is round five. Okay. All right. So, Alu, we go to you. The first clue was marriage. The second clue is Wilson. Ooh. Two weddings and a funeral? <laughs> no, incorrect. All right, Rob, we go to you for four points and to take over second place. The first clue is marriage. The second clue is Wilson. The third clue is Tom Vaughn. Hanks. Tom Hanks. Incorrect. Okay. May, I, so may I solve without getting another clue? Yes, you can. Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers oh. is correct for three more points. Yeah. Movies. I feel nineteen. Okay, he's going for a record now. Here, what? What? Is, how many points does Chris have 19. now? Chris has nineteen points. Hooray! Because we're playing for nothing. I believe she's tied Ray's record at nineteen points in one game. She can suck break it, the record Laura. Here. Oh. I All hope right. you're recovering well. <laughs> All right, Alou. Oh my gosh. To lock up second place <laughs> for six points. <laughs> your first clue is Smith. I could be a lot of things. Uh, Gemini man. Incorrect. I mean, just go for it, right? <laughs> All right. Rob, for five points and to secure second place, your first clue was Smith. The second clue is superhero. Hancock. Fuck. For five points in second place, Hancock. Nine, so uh, 19. Everybody got on the board in that one. Yay! Our winner is Chris Carley. I'd like to thank Satan. <laughs> oh, wow. I got dark. You smoked us. That was good. Can I just uh, point like out that wanted. in every single game of movie password that we've played, someone has guessed Super Pets. Every single Actually, game. Actually, you know what? I, you might always not be me? wrong. Super Is it Pets. me each time? So. <laughs> All right. Just trying that to make it does happen. that for the game, guys. That was fun. I like playing that game. Well done. Everybody got on the board in that one. Okay. With that all down, guys, we're now going to move on to our main topics here today. And how do we select our main topics? Well, that's easy. That's where you guys come in because we get our main topics from you. Whenever you guys come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to share on the John Campia Show as a main topic, just go anytime 24-7 to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. With that down, Alou, what is our first main topic today? First main topic of the day comes to us from Patrick Short, who says, 
Hey, John and crew, I just saw where the trailer dropped for the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, and I loved it. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but who's ready for some Guardians and Kevin Bacon holiday fun? But I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the trailer and this Marvel special and bring on the filthy. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, Patrick. And yeah, the the trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy, the holiday special, officially dropped right as we were in the middle of the show yesterday. So we decided to save it until today. Um, I, I think I asked you this, Jonathan, yesterday. Uh-huh. How many main topics over the past six months have I made about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special? Uh, I'm going to go with zero. For six points, that is how much interest I have had in the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. I have not cared about it one lick. John, I thought you liked Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, I do. I love Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm super excited about Guardians of the Galaxy 3. But I have not cared one lick, to be honest with you, about the holiday special at all. It's going to come. It's going to go. Don't care about it. So when we sat down and watched the trailer yesterday... The first 10 or 15 seconds of it started to play. And I'm like, this looks horrible. It looked terrible. But then something happened. About 15 seconds or so into it, my brain realized, oh, this is trying to be like a play on the Hallmark Christmas movies. And I went, okay. And then I started looking at the trailer through that filter. And once I started looking at the trailer through that filter of a you know, um, a holiday special from Hallmark, I started going, okay, this is brilliant. This isn't just good. This is brilliant. And by the time they get to the point where it's in the credits, it says introducing Kevin Bacon. (laughs) I laughed out loud. Everybody in the audience heard me in the audience, in the office heard me. I I laughed out loud at that point. I couldn't believe it. I have gone, and this is what a trailer is supposed to do, right? Take your interest level and bump it up. I have gone from not caring at all about this Christmas special to, what is it, November 23rd? Is that when it comes out? But yeah, I've gone from not caring to November 23rd, if that's the date, cannot get here fast enough. Now I am dying to watch this. And I love that they're doing it in that Werewolf by Night special presentation format. It's probably going to be a little under an hour around there. And all of a sudden, I can't wait to see this. Anyway, Chris, you saw... The trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy, the holiday special. (laughs) What did you think about it? It was made for me um, (laughs) because I love cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies. They're my favorite thing and I watch them all year round. Um, I'm hyped about this. I love that they're on a quest to find Kevin Bacon to cheer up Star-Lord. I think that's so sweet. And really, isn't that the true meaning of Christmas? Finding (laughs) Kevin Bacon? I love how cheesy this is. I love Drax in a Christmas sweater. I mean, come on. This is going to be great. Our our Thanksgiving tradition, the day after, uh, we don't do Black Friday. We do Black Parade Friday. And my friends come over and we listen to like screamo music from the early 2000s. And it's a really fun time. And we end it with My Chemical Romances, All I Want for Christmas is You cover. Yes. But now that that when that's done, I'm going to be like, and now all of you are watching this with me. <laughs> I'll have them trapped and it'll be amazing. By the way, what is on Drax's sweater? It's a cat, a cat shooting with lasers. lasers. I was going to say, it looks like something shooting lasers out of its eyes because all cats are evil. No. Anyway. No, they're all powerful. Rob, you saw the trailer. Uh, first of all, let me ask you this. Where has your anticipation level been? Because mine was practically zero. Where has it been? And now that you've seen the trailer, how do you feel about it now? Well, I, I was curious if if it was going to be the second of these new special presentations and how it was all going to work. But, you know, with James Gunn doing what he does, I knew it was going to be something amusing. But having watched this, I need to know there's a real a huge question that I hope this answers. And I'm I'm worried that it might not. And I have to know 
was Kevin Bacon snapped away when Thanos snapped his fingers? Ooh. Because... No one snaps the bacon, baby. I, I, <laughs> you know, I, I, but in all honesty, because what you've done is Kevin Bacon is now a character in the MCU, which means it's not our Kevin Bacon. It's the MCU's Kevin Bacon. Was he snapped? And is his filmography the same? Because if his filmography is the same, clearly Footloose is real. But does that mean that Friday the 13th and Animal House, his early roles were real? Does that mean that... Um, uh, uh, what was the biking movie that he made? The, the when he's a bike messenger, is that real? He did everything except the only difference is he uh, he actually did um, Tremors too. He did do okay. Well, that see now if there there could very well be a Tremors joke if there is a Tremors two well, movie post. Here's the, the thing: film. according to the report, okay, <laughs> according to the report, they're also going to say Kevin Bacon in this in the MCU in this world. Kevin Bacon also starred in Cocktail and Sunshine of the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and they're going to say they were his leading roles. Interesting. And so, wow. I don't know if they're going to say that. Does that mean that Jim Carrey and Tom Cruise don't exist in the MCU? <laughs> that's I mean, fair. Well, see, now, if they're saying that. that, that's what I wanted. There, see, James Gunn knows this is what he knows what I want. <laughs> and there's going to be, I'm sure there's going to be an answer about his career being interrupted for five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lou, I'm, I'm sure just, I'm Cedric curious. didn't get snapped. Well, what happened Ooh. if she's married to his someone His wife. Oh. Yeah. The closer. Or is she even his wife she in She married this Tom world? Cruise instead. And that's right. She married oh. Tom Cruise. Oh. The plot thickens. It's, it's Which is why he missed effect. out on the role she of cocktail. Quicksilver. That's the name of the bike messenger movie. Oh, I, I, I was going to say, are you talking about the Joseph Gordon-Levitt one? No, no. But no, it's a totally different one. That's right. Actually, Lou, I'm curious. Are you interested or have you been interested in this Guardians of the Galaxy holiday oh, special? Oh, yeah. To be honest, I just found out it was a thing yesterday when it was released. <laughs> and you know, I don't so think you're alone. I wear my Groot today. Um, can we talk about super buff Groot, though? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> do, do you see the screenshot? Like he's, he's like about Jack Teen Groot. Groot has decided right. he, he got out of he, his awkward still, teen phase. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say it's not quite awkward teen. Like he's bigger, but he's not fully grown. Like his neck is still kind of yeah. stubby. Oh, yeah. He's not nearly yeah. as tall as the original Groot was yet. Mm, he's getting there. But he's buff. Yeah. But he's yeah. totally buff. What's I don't know. Maybe he, he came he's under Drax's influence or something. <laughs> All right, guys. Question is for you. What did you think about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday <laughs> special trailer? I, I didn't care about this at all. In the least, I hated the first few seconds of it, but then I came around to loving it. What do you guys think about it? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to take another second here and thank another sponsor of today's show, the wonderful folks at Wondery and their new podcast, the official podcast of the Rings of Power. Guys, we want to take a moment and thank a sponsor of today's video, Wondery, and their new podcast, the official Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power podcast. Guys, it's time to go deeper into the canals of Numenor, the mines of Khazad-dûm, and more with the official The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power podcast. Host Felicia Day and several special guests provide an inside look at the groundbreaking series and what it took to bring Middle-earth to life. Each episode of the official podcast features exclusive interviews with the series showrunners J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, including the very first full breakdown of the incredible season finale. Felicia also goes behind the scenes with the cast and crew to bring you jaw-dropping stories and Easter eggs that you won't want to miss. So watch The Rings of Power on Prime Video and listen to all eight episodes of the official The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power podcast for free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app now. 
And thank you to our friends at Wondery for sponsoring this episode of The John Campius Show. Okay, guys, with that down, let's get into main topic number two. Hello, what is our second main topic today? Our main topic number two comes to us from Rebel27. Well, John and crew, I didn't see that new character coming. Anyway, Andor again came out with a solid episode. They don't just keep it on the same tone for every episode either, showing the darkness of the empire, suicide, hardcore labor and crimes against humanity. And they really sold the Nazi-like empire members in this episode, especially with those guards. It was brutal. Everyone must suffer to start a true rebellion. What were your thoughts on the empire's version of the raft from Marvel? And how do you think this experience will change Cassian? What are your thoughts? Thanks. All right, guys. Thanks a lot for sending that in. And of course, a little bit later today, we're going to be going into full spoilery open discussion once again at three o'clock Los Angeles time. That's 6 p.m. New York time when we do our and or after show. We hope you come back for that. But for some of our non-spoilery uh, thoughts, you guys will, of course, remember at the end of the last episode of Andor, uh, Andor got himself arrested and he got sentenced and he was going to prison. Well, that's where we are in this one. This was not my favorite episode of Andor. But I still loved it. I, I I couldn't believe it. Now, look, no big surprise. Everybody knew Saw Gerrera. They announced it long before the show came out. Saw Gerrera was going to be part of the show, which makes total sense, considering this show is kind of looking at the formation of the Rebellion and stuff like that. And we all know through other canon material that Saw Gerrera is a huge part of the formation of Rebellion. So I thought the stuff involving him and this, we won't go into details of it, was wonderful. I thought all this stuff, again, one of the things Andor has done so well that no other Star Wars has ever really done is made you feel from the perception of the people, the oppression of the empire, right? It's they, like we all knew, oh yeah, the empire is big and bad and evil and oh no, there are stormtroopers. But I mean, you never, they never really played it out about the oppression that causes on people and then how people react to that oppression. And even just going into prison, you get to see that. Right. I mean, there's a conversation again, no details, but this conversation that happens with guards in the first half of the show that you're like, wow, <laughs> like really? Wow. And this show just continues to amp it up. And then more and more the ISB characters and D Drea, no, De Deidre, whatever the name Deidre. of the Deidre, Deidre, the, the blonde ISB character. She's like becoming my favorite character in the show. And like, it's really weird because I find myself rooting for her, but I'm waiting. No, wait, she's evil. She, she's, she's working for the oppressors. I don't want her to succeed. But at the same time, you're kind of cheering for her to crack the code and solve the mystery and all this kind of stuff. Maybe she'll run into a younger version of herself and realize, you know, this was the true person she needed to be a good person. Yeah, this is this was, this <laughs> oh, wait, was who I was that. meant to be all along. I... I love this. Every character, again, the brilliance of the writing, every character is multi-dimensional. Multi There's no just one surface character in this. I loved it, loved it, loved it. So again, not my favorite episode of the series so far, but uh, damn, it was still so good. Anyway, Rob, you had a chance to see the new episode of Andor. What did you think of it? I, I love this episode. First of all, the prison, it's totally THX 1138. Oh, absolutely. The whole Even thing the was, outfits were very yeah, reminiscent. I mean, I'm like, it, right? I'm looking at THX one one three eight reference. Um, uh, is it is it Bix? Yes. Bix, the sexiest thing I've seen all maybe all year is just her running away from the Empire <laughs> through the streets. I don't know why she's just. I love her. She's so sexy running away from the Empire. Um, I don't know why that struck me, but um, the what I loved That's about the, what's that? <laughs> what I loved about this. <laughs> is like you pointed out, John, this is a show that's about the empire. 
It's not, I mean, it's about the empire and the beginnings of the rebellion. We've never seen, when I say we've never seen the empire, we've never seen the empire. We've seen their military, but we've never seen not their bureaucracy, not how they oppress people. This whole thing is what does it mean to live under an oppressive authoritarian regime? And my favorite thing in the episode is a conversation Saw Guerrero has when you find out all about the rebellion. You find out that they're separatist members. Let's not get into too many details. Well, I, I, I mean, this was more. You find out about what the rebellion is. I was surprised yeah. where they talk the, sta- the state of it in those early. Yeah, and, and days. the fact that there's there's racist members of the rebellion. There's human only factions of the rebellion. Um, I did like the fact that we saw more alien races sprinkled through. But I really realized that okay, I'm like, I get it. This show is all about how all these disparate elements of the rebellion are going to be brought together under a single banner. However, that's going to happen. And I think that's becoming clearer. And I would imagine that's how the season's going to end. But my God, once again, you see the empire and how its tendrils go through the entire galaxy everywhere. And how about Andy circus? Come on again. Let's not give too many things away for people who haven't seen. Well, the I mean, he's just an actor in the role. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, you he's an actor yes, playing a part. How does that? It's, is that a is that a spoiler? Uh, well, we, we, we actor plays role, it, <laughs> but you don't know what he's playing. He's just in the episode. Yeah. I thought that was surprising. Stop digging. <laughs> just just stop. Just stop. Anyway, Chris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anything you'd like to add? Well, I, I opted for watching Tales of the Jedi instead last night, and I'm going to be watching Watch Andor on the break. Um, so I'm very excited to see this. But I know last week, one of my criticisms that you and I talked about, too, was Cassian kind of took a backseat to the story for me last week. So are we now more full, like, front and center with this one? Are we seeing him more in the forefront this episode? Yes. Okay, cool. Yes. All right, without without divulging anything. Yes. And apparently Andy Serkis is in it, so that's neat. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. What do you think about that, Chris? I'm Finding excited. Out that I love him. Is that a secret? I love him so much. I, I didn't know. It certainly caught oh, me I, by I guess, surprise. I, I I knew of that. Because surprise! He, <laughs> truly, truly, he is one of my favorite actors, and that gets me more hyped about watching this during lunch. I'm really excited because I love his work. I think he's just like the mocap master. Oh, I, I, I make all my students watch Andy him. Circus. Yeah. I guess I didn't think it was. A, I already knew that. Oh I, yeah, I, I did. Okay, that's okay, I, Rob. No worries. I'm yeah. I'm hyped now. So yeah, it's uh, it's good, guys. Andy Circus is in it. Um, I hope you enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. I like. Let's be honest. Half of you guys already saw the episode anyway. Anyway, guys, question is for you. Did you have a chance to watch the new episode of Andor? If so, what did you think of it? We still have. What do we got? Four episodes left. Nine, ten. Yeah, we yeah. still have four episodes left. See what happens, Disney, when you actually give something reasonable amounts of of uh, episodes. To be completely honest, too, Rob had to remind me that the show was continuing to go. Because last week I was like, oh, yeah. Uh, like, it I must mean, be wrapping up here Yeah, now, I was right? like, you know, we're at the end of this, so I don't know what we're going to do on Wednesdays. So he was like, Chris, there's more episodes. Like, yeah. No, there's not. Isn't it great? There's it's still four awesome. more episodes. It's incredible. How do you feel about it, guys? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys, with that down, let's move into main topic number three. Alou, what is our third main topic today? Topic number three comes to us from Eddie. Hey, guys. Well, another day, another James Cameron attacking comic book movies and fans. Did you see his most recent quote where he basically blasts MCU and DC characters for acting like they're college students? He says they lack depth because they don't show them having a family life or being willing to stop being heroes for the sake of their kids. 
What's with this guy constantly feeling like he has to attack comic movies? So, John, what do you think? Is there some truth to Cameron's, you know, critiques or is he just a hater? Listen, <laughs> James Cameron is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. At one point, he did what no other filmmaker in history has done. He held the number one and the number two biggest all-time movies in Titanic and Avatar. Still has the biggest movie of all time with Avatar. Still holds two of the top three spots in it. He's made my favorite action film of all time uh, in True Lies. He, of course, did one of the greatest sci-fi series of all time, Terminator. He, I mean, he's James Cameron. And he's a good Canadian kid. But shut up. <laughs> shut Shut up. Shut up. You're making yourself sound stupid. Shut up. You know that scene in uh, Step Brothers? Stop, stop talking. James, shut up. James, just make movies and shut up. Okay. So, yeah, this was funny. Like, sometimes James Cameron or one of these other directors, like, they'll get asked a question and be put on the spot, right? And then it's not like they prepared. We And we act like they prepared a statement. But sometimes they'll be in the middle of like a press line or something. Somebody will fire a question at them. They answer it. And maybe they don't answer it in the way we want them to. But this was different. James Cameron was, was talking about Avatar and on his own volition just decided to lean into DC and Marvel and attack them. This is James Cameron's quote. When he's first being asked about the characters in Avatar 2, he said this. In the first movie, Avatar... Sam's character leaps off his flying creature and essentially changes the course of history as a result of this crazy, almost suicidal leap of faith. And Zoe's character leaps off a limb and assumes there's going to be some nice big leaves down there that can cushion her fall. But when you're a parent, you don't think that way. So for me, as a parent of five kids, I'm saying, what happens when those characters mature and realize that they have a responsibility outside of their own survival? When I look at these big, spectacular films, I'm looking at you, Marvel and DC. It doesn't matter how old the characters are. They all like that, act like they're in college. They have relationships, but they really don't. They never hang up their spurs because of their kids. The, the, the things that really ground us and give us power, love, and purpose, those characters don't experience it. And I think that's not the way to make movies. And that comes to us from James Cameron, great filmmaker, Good Canadian kid, big fucking mouth. Um, so here's the thing, James. Let me remind you, in your film, my favorite action film of all time, True Lies, you have a fucking lead character who continues being a super spy, lying to his own wife, has the daughter, and he doesn't hang it up, and that's your fucking movie. So shut up. Then you, like some of these, you paint with such a broad stroke on this Hawkeye, which I don't like. I didn't like the Hawkeye series at all. The opening of Endgame. But when you you want to talk about character, even previous to Endgame, they showed us that Hawkeye is trying to balance this thing about his family and his kids, and he needs to get out of this life because of his family. Then you get with the events of Endgame and all that kind of stuff. Then you move into the Hawkeye series, where everything's about him trying to just be dedicated to his kids, but the needs of the world outside pull at him. And listen, I didn't even like the Hawkeye series. And Hawkeye is not alone. Even if you look at T'Challa, you're looking at a guy who's struggling and trying to figure out balancing the expectations and the responsibilities that come from a parent, from a country, what his role and destiny is, is in all this. How does even the, the role of his country go, come out with balancing the responsibilities to his country versus his country's responsibilities to the rest of the planet? All that kind of stuff. These characters are there. And some of them are college students. And some of them are this kind of stuff. And look, if it sounds like I'm upset, I'm not upset at what James Cameron said. 
And again, James, we could sit here and go through a laundry list of your characters in your movies that are exactly what you just described. So shut up. But the thing that makes me upset is because I love James Cameron so much. He is such a great filmmaker. And this is one of those situations where he did not need to say this. He didn't need to say this. And all he's going to do is start alienating people. Look, I'm already, I'm a James Cameron fan for life. I mean, this guy could, you know, I don't know, kick a puppy and I'd still go, ah, well, that's James. I, I mean, I'd probably get over at some point. I'm, I'm going to be a James Cameron fan for life. But there's going to be a lot of people he's going to start to alienate with this kind of bullshit talk. And I get it. Your reign as the most successful filmmaker ever is threatened by the comic book genre. That doesn't, need, you need, doesn't mean you need to take st start taking shots at the comic book genre or the fans that follow it. So, yeah. And, like, maybe if you didn't do the exact thing you're just complaining about now until your new movie, maybe we would have something to talk about. But, James, I love you. So, out of love, out of pure love in my heart, shut up and stop talking about comic book movies, you idiot. Just stop. <laughs> anyway... Uh, Rob, you hear James Cameron's uh, top. You're you're as big of a fan of Cameron as I am. Yeah. yeah. So, but I don't know. What do you make of his comment? Well, I mean, I think I kind of understand. I mean, he he was specifically look when you're talking about the fact that the superhero genre has dominated both two of our major studios in terms of their output. It's become so important. I think the repetitive nature of those certain stories. I mean, you could go back and you could look at the family nature of Guardians of the Galaxy, mm -hmm. Hawkeye. Spider-Man and his relationship with what Aunt was Miss Marvel but family? Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, it's all about family. I mean, there, there is. But I think what he was specifically talking about things like parenthood and all that. I, I think also a lot of these filmmakers they're they're pointing fingers at comic book movies, but I think there's a much wider. They're talking about something wider, which is a diversity of storytelling, a diversity of meaning. I mean, when when we were all growing up, even in the 70s, there was just a lot more different kinds of subject matter being attacked or addressed by major studio motion pictures. And that landscape has now become dominated by superhero films. Now, the funny thing is, James Cameron's got a huge uh, superhero, not a superhero, but an alien franchise picture coming out. And just because this particular iteration of it is dealing with the fact that you have Natiri and Jake Sully now have kids, so it's literally an alien family, you know, I think his his, his words might be a little ill-considered. Chris, you heard uh, James Cameron's uh, little rant there. What did you think yeah, about it? I mean, uh, Scott Lang is balancing family, right? Tony Stark balances family you guys got him yeah, shook it's, <laughs> he's beside himself <laughs> he's so upset he's so upset i just don't understand this seeming trend with filmmakers of needing to dunk on other films because here's the thing winners don't dunk on others to elevate themselves they welcome and relish competition and continue to elevate so just do that we love a challenge just accept that some people are enjoying these kinds of films, especially when your film has also received the critique of being, you know, recycled bubblegum, right? Yeah. A yeah. lot of people have said, oh, it's just Fern Gully or Dances with Wolves in Space, which, hey, most movies, most IP is some kind of story we've heard before, right? Everything can go back to Shakespeare or the Bible or all those stories what we've heard. What is it saying? This, th there are seven stories. Is that what it's yeah. seven? Yeah. There, there's, a, there's a thing in storytelling that says there really are only seven stories and different iterations of exactly. them. Exactly. So we can just appreciate when people tell those stories really, really well. So rather than having to, I mean, essentially just poo-poo somebody else's story and storytelling 
let's stay in our lane. Let's focus on what we're doing. And why don't we talk about the great achievements in filmmaking instead of having to dog on someone else? That just seems really, really low hanging fruit. If we're going to talk about people behaving like college students, maybe don't behave like a junior high bully. Also, I mean, like I pointed out in Endgame, but there's also the great moment where Scott Lang goes home to his house, Mm -hmm. you know, and then he sees his daughter. And in that one moment, he's thinking, I've, I've lost all of this time with my own daughter as she's grown up and I wasn't there. Well, the whole you, premise of the first Ant-Man movie is about a guy basically trying to save his family. I mean, the climax ends in his daughter's bedroom. Yeah. On a train set. So. Yeah. I, and again, I just don't understand why when that wasn't the question that was posed to him, why he suddenly had to use the platform to start dogging on the most popular form of cinema. By the way, the most popular genre that is single-handedly responsible for keeping the movie theaters and the, the entertainment and the movie industry alive today right now. Uh, I mean, also big assist to Tom Cruise's Top Gun, but I mean, comic book movies are the ones that are keeping movie theaters alive. So anyway, James Cameron, we love you, but shut up. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this whole thing? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts all right guys with that down let's move on to main topic number four Alou, what is our fourth main topic today main topic number four comes to us from joaquim from norway who says hello crew in my eyes zaslev has been doing well so far and he is not stopping this time the axe is not used but he is giving out keys to the dc kingdom WB seems to be building up DC as a separate studio and have signed some already trusted people within DC. I'm very excited that we get James Gunn and Peter Safran to lead the future of DC. I feel this would probably lead to less Gunn in Marvel. But damn, am I willing to lose that for this. What are your thoughts about this? And do you also think this means less Gunn in Marvel? Thanks and bring on the filthy. All right, uh, Joaquin, thank you so much for saying that in. And yeah, of course, yesterday, the big, the big news came out that it is now, the search is over, the search is done. DC has found their, quote-unquote, their Kevin Feige in the form of two individuals, producer Peter Safran and, of course, James Cameron. Or James Cameron. We were just talking about James Cameron. (laughs) Shut up, James. Wouldn't that be ironic? James Gunn. (laughs) Wouldn't that be ironic? James Cameron running DC films, everybody. They're all going to have kids now and stay home. Everyone's hanging out their boots. So James Gunn, has taken over with Peter Safran has taken over DC films. This comes to us from the Hollywood reporter who wrote the following. He says the hierarchy of power in the DC universe really is changing in a stunning turn of events. Filmmaker James Gunn and producer Peter Safran have been tapped to lead DC DC's film television and animation efforts as co-chairs and co-CEOs of DC studios, a newly formed division at Warner brothers that will replace DC films. Gunn will focus on the creative side of things, while Safran will focus on the business and production side. Both are expected to continue to direct and produce projects, respectively. They will report directly to Zaslav and work closely with Warner Brothers bosses DeLuca and Pamela Abdi. Sources say that the deal runs four years and Gunn will be exclusive, obviously, to DC. The goal is for them not just to be producers, but to truly function as executives even as Gunn will occasionally hone a movie. And that, of course, comes from The Hollywood Reporter. So a couple of quick things to answer some of the questions in your email. Number one, this does not mean less James Gunn in Marvel. It means no James Gunn in Marvel. He is now the, the, the boss 
of DC Studios. And again, let's point this out. This is a huge move for Warner Brothers. DC has never been its own division at Warner Brothers. It always fell under just their motion picture chairs, right? Unlike Marvel at, over at Disney, Marvel is its own studio just as much as Pixar is its own studio, so on and so forth. Now they are truly making that happen. And the only people, the only person that the heads of DC Studios now report to is the chairman of the overall company, and that's David Zaslav. So there is actually now less layers of management between James Gunn and the overall head of the company than there is between Kevin Feige and the head of Disney. Even Kevin Feige's got two or three layers now between him and the top dog over there, Bob, uh, Bob Paycheck. So here's the thing. I love this. And I love it for a couple of reasons. The first reason is that I would have been very, very skeptical if they had just said, James Gunn was taking over, period. You guys know I love James Gunn. I think James Gunn is fabulous. I got all the respect in the world for him. I think he's incredible. But just because you're a great director and great story doesn't mean you know what it means to run a corporation and to run a company, right? Different things. So what did they do? They dueled it up. They went and got Peter Safran, who is an experienced long-term producer with Warner Brothers, who has done a lot of their comic book films, but also a lot of other types of films, including horror and all that kind of stuff, and who is a well-respected producer within the realms of Hollywood. So you got that guy and you match him up with James Gunn and you put them as co-chairs and co-CEOs. I'm like, all right, this is not traditional. This is a little unorthodox, but I love taking this swing. I think this is great. They could have done what I expected them to do, and I would have been perfectly fine with, gone out, like a lot of professional sports teams. They fire their coach. They got to find a new coach. Well, they go get another coach who was fired from somewhere else, and they bring that coach in, right? And I would have been perfectly fine with that. That, that could have worked perfectly good. But instead, they decided to go in an unorthodox route, and they have dub, dubbed James Gunn as their new czar, creatively. That, to me, is incredible. James Gunn has single-handedly, he's delivered the best DC television show, all due respect to, you know, Arrow and Smallville and all that kind of stuff. But he has produced the single greatest television show that DC's ever had in Peacemaker. It was the number one show in the world. He's produced, in my estimation, the second best movie of the DCEU in his version of The Suicide Squad. He's obviously been in a lot of talks with the higher-ups. We've talked a lot over the past year about all these discussions that he's having with the heads of Warner Brothers and all that kind of stuff about other projects and developing this and developing that and all that kind of stuff. You're talking about a guy with not just roots in comic books and all that kind of stuff. This is a guy who had roots with trauma and like all different types of weird and incredible things. And most importantly here, let's not forget that he was basically anointed Kevin Feige's right-hand guy. He was going to be, until the tweet gate happened, he was going to be the guy that was going to oversee and kind of run the intergalactic aspect of the MCU. And in many ways, he was going to function as, as Feige's right-hand guy. So Feige knew he was the guy to do it. Oh, by the way, do you know who fired James Gunn from Marvel? Alan Shore. You know who's now the lead consultant at Warner Brothers who just hired James Gunn? Alan Shore. Horn. 
Horn, Horn. What? Is, Alan Shore is James Spader's character. It's from Boston yeah. Legal. <laughs> yes, sorry about that. that Alan Shore, awesome. ladies and gentlemen. He just walked in and fired With him. Vice President Denny Crane. Well, at least Denny that good Crane's legal representation when they did it. Denny Crane. You're fired. So you Alan Horn, sorry, the great Alan Horn, <laughs> who I adore, which, of course, we talked about this on Open Mic yesterday. It makes me put on my little tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. What if this is a long laid plan? What if Alan Horn... Go back now. What was five years ago? Whatever. Alan Horn says, you know, James, I'm only going to be here for a while longer. And I'll probably go over to another studio. What if we fire you and then open the way for you to come and get a hire? No, obviously, that's not what happened. I'm just playing tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist. But it does show a couple of things. I mean, Alan Horn has always loved like we knew Alan Horn and James Gunn patched all that thing up. That's why they were able to bring James Gunn back to Marvel to finish and do Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special and all kinds of stuff. You know, Alan Horn was Kevin Feige's boss. So he knows how Kevin Feige thinks about James Gunn. He knows what James Gunn brings to the table. And I'm absolutely sure that he was probably in David Zaslav's ear and saying, James Gunn is a dude with vision. We were promoting him to be Kevin Feige's right-hand guy. This guy knows what he's doing. He, you know, he had his problems with the Twitter gate stuff. We got all that put behind us. He's the guy. I just think this is fantastic news. Does this automatically mean things are going to be great and rosy? No, it could be a disaster. This, this could work out terribly. But one of the things I said on open mic yesterday is all you can do is make the right decisions. And then sometimes the results are going to be out of your hands. You got pocket aces in poker, go all in. You still might lose, but it was the right move to go all in with pocket aces pre-flop. So you do it. So we'll see how this works out. Anyway, Rob, you know, we heard this news. This is unexpected. It's unorthodox. But I see a lot of upside to this. I don't know. How do you feel about this? Movie? Oh, well, I think it makes incredible sense. I mean, Peter Safran, like Kevin Feige, has produced movies for over 20 years now. One of the things that Peter Safran has going for him is he has a long-standing relationship. He produced the entire Conjuring universe series. Yes, he did. Yeah, Conjuring movies, The Nun, Annabelle Creation, and Annabelle. So he also has deep ties with James Wan. He produced Aquaman 1. He's producing Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom. So you now have not just Peter Safran and James Gunn. You have one of their most successful other directors in James Wan, who made a billion-dollar superhero movie with Peter Safran and his entire universe of Conjuring movies. So you've now solidified a man that is respected by two of the biggest filmmakers at DC. Things like what happened in the Swamp Thing TV series that James Wan was producing probably won't happen. So you now have a group of people that are both creatives and bean counters all together charting the course of what they want to do. James Gunn's probably going to make two giant movies. I would be very surprised not if it's announced in the next month or two he's directing Superman because that's what he should be doing. But do you With think Henry he Cavill, be he's going... Henry Cavill, they've already teed it up. James Wan's already saying, you know, isn't it great Peter Safran and James, uh, James Gunn's taking over? Henry Cavill's like, watch out. There's going to be more Superman who uh, James Gunn is a huge DC fan, and you think he can be an executive and a director? At well, the same he, time? but he's that, well. Yeah, they're be, saying in the report that he's still going to continue he, to direct, ooh, probably not as much though. He already they were already advising David Zaslav about getting people like Dan Lin to come, so they were already consulting. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, he's all, James Gunn's already Peacemaker, whatever other spinoffs they're doing, whatever their plan was, they already have it laid out. We just don't know what it is yet. Well, it, so, makes, it makes sense too, though, right? Because I guess, like John was saying, or in the article saying, he's CEO over creative. It's not about production and the other stuff too. But, so Yeah, uh, but Peter Safran's producing, the, he also is yeah. producing the Shazam movies. Yeah. So you think that they haven't made their plans with Dwayne Johnson and Black Adam? All of this stuff is moving forward. And I see at least the next four years at DC is going to be incredibly exciting and i wouldn't be surprised if the next two or three months we're going to see huge you talked about bombs dropping at d23 they didn't we're going to see it at warner brothers they're going to hit the ground running these guys start november 1st that's next week so as soon as they start man they're not going to sit around and twiddle their thumbs for six months like we never saw anything from jj abrams in the next six months we're going to see the next four years of what dc is doing charted out and they're going to begin production by the way jonathan brings up an interesting question that I'm sure a lot of people think it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How can James Gunn both be the CEO and chairman of DC Studios and direct a film? There is precedence. Uh, just go back to Pixar. John Lasseter mm-hmm. was the head that, which chief. Which is what they're pointing to. Yep, of both Man. Disney Animation and Pixar. And he would still then come down out of the top office and actually direct Cars, Cars 2. So there is precedent for that. Also, I wanted to point out that Peter Safran and James Gunn go all the way back to 2008. They might even go back further than that. But Peter Safran produced James Gunn's amazing, horribly underrated web series, PG Porn. (laughs) That is, if you've never seen PG Porn, like the one with Nathan Fillion as the construction worker. Oh, man. Oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm just here to drill things. I mean, that it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But they probably go back. Even they go back that. even further because I was the associate producer of a movie James Gunn wrote and starred in that Peter Safran was the executive producer of called The Specials. I was going to say, did he produce The Specials? He, he was the executive, co-executive producer of The Specials. James Gunn wrote it. He played my newt man. Sean Gunn was in it. You know, and we did that right after Free Enterprise. We literally we started shooting that in nine in two thousand, I think. Anyway, Chris, you hear about this? I mean, this was stunning. This this pretty much shakes yeah. the whole comic book movie world. But what are your takes on this? Oh, the Lasseter point was what I was going to bring up. I was like, dang it, that was my thing that I was going to say. <laughs> um, you know, I was I was surprised though when it first was announced because when we've talked about this in the past, I thought you know, well, James Gunn just wants to direct. That's what he wants to do. But this obviously is going to be able to hopefully strike a balance for him of being able to do this and still create his films. I'm really interested to see where this takes DC as a whole, though, right? Because kind of the the last men standing, if you will, in terms of television and animation in television, television for them are our more kind of blue comedies or our blue superhero stories, right? Peacemaker, um, Harley Quinn, the animated series, those sort of things. So I'm interested to see if we have more of that kind of vibe moving forward to things that skew a little more adult in DC in terms of humor, at least. I also think this means that even though they are, you know, some calculated risk takers here, I think we're going to do some really big swings in terms of characters. You know, this is the guy who did a Guardians movie when all of us were saying, Guardians of the Galaxy? That's a B-side, man. That's not going to play to this camera. And it did. Peacemaker, you know, that was another one. You want to do a show about Peacemaker after what he did? I thought it was a I admit, I thought it was a bad idea. Yeah, and And he knocked it out of the park, right? You know, he takes big risks that really, really pay off. So I'm excited to see some really fun, different characters pop up in here. 
give us Lobo, man. You'd be so good at it. You'd do such a good Lobo movie. Yeah, oh. I mean, what about all the Vertigo, like Animal Man, yes. Kid Eternity, Shade mm -hmm. the Changing Man, all that crazy stuff. And you know, James Gunn also goes back as a writer, so probably knows Alan Horn from when he was writing like Scooby-Doo. Yeah. He's going to give so, me a Batman Beyond movie, baby. He's going to do it. More yeah. so than ever, I was thinking yeah. that, that we're closer to a Batman Beyond series, movie, whatever. Alou, your team Batman ever. Beyond too? Yes. Suck it, John. Yes. Yeah, we, and yet, oh who's been right for the last 10 years? You know, you know? You only have to be wrong once. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I can be right for 10 years, but it doesn't matter. So, listen, someday happen. there's going to be a Batman Beyond. Someday there will be. We're going to see some big moves. Soon, hopefully. I think sooner mm -hmm. rather than yeah. later. Yeah, and I think one of the common complaints I can already hear from some people is, I don't want all DC to be Peacemaker. For sure. It, it's it's not. Right. James Gunn is going to be the overall executive. He ain't going to be directing every movie. He's not going to be. He's going to have filmmakers come in and he's going to foster and encourage their individual visions that right. fall, like Kevin Feige, that fall in line with James Gunn's overall direction of what the of what this is. And if, you know, somebody wrote in a little bit earlier or called in, I think it was James on the hotline called in and, and said, you know, how important is it to be a big fan of the source material? Well, if that is a big deal to you, then this is your day. Because James Gunn is deep cut. Deep cut. Schnepp once told us about, Schnepp had met James Gunn, and, and like even Schnepp said, this guy knows comics. Oh, yeah. like, you, like he is an encyclopedia of comic book knowledge. And he's got a reverence, not just for the wild polka dot man, which by the way, look what he did with polka dot man. But not just that stuff, but of the, of the more established mainstay, the darker, the grittier. I am very excited. And again, he worked with Kevin Feige for years. So he's got a solid understanding of what he's doing here. Not only that, James Gunn is a novelist. He wrote a novel, a very dark novel that I recommend called The Toy Collector. That, I mean, it's a hardcover novel. So James Gunn, he's, they already know what they're going to do. I mean, I'm sure that the calls have been made. It's just they can't say it yet. But the fact that they're starting November, there's a reason why this starts November 1st. They're not waiting. No. And and this has been in the works for a while. By the way, one interesting side note to this whole story is that the Joker uh, sequel is going to be under the Warner Brothers Pictures umbrella, not under the DC Studios umbrella. That makes sense for a couple of reasons. But one of the most important ones is they've already gone into production yeah. on Joker 2. And James Gunn isn't isn't even installed as the thing yet. So it's been shepherded under Warner Brothers Pictures since the first one. They're going to keep it under there. Look for the Batman 2, though, with Matt Reeves to come under the DC Studios banner at that point. But I just think this is incredibly exciting news. Uh, again, I would have been a little bit more pessimistic if it was just James. But doing it, James, with Peter Safran together, this could be great could be a disaster, but I think this was a really bold, fantastic decision on their part, and I cannot wait to see what James Gunn is going to do with the DC Universe. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this earth-shaking news that DC now has their czars? It's Peter Safran and James Gunn. How do you feel about that? Do you have some concerns or worries about it? Maybe you're not a big fan. Maybe you love it like I do. Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, we're now going to open up the Super Chats to hear your guys' thoughts, theories, and opinions. I'm sure there's going to be lots of stuff 
more for us to talk about today on the whole James Gunn, Peter Safran thing. We can't wait to address those. So go ahead and start firing those in now. We'll get to those in just a second. But before we get to them, we want to take a moment and thank one of the major sponsors of our show, Ryan Reynolds and my phone service company, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank the sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month. And now for the plot twist. I'm just kidding. There isn't one. Mint Mobile just has premium wireless from 15 bucks a month. There's no trapping you into a two-year contract or opening the bill to find all these crazy fees. There's no luring you in with free subscriptions to streaming services that you'll forget to cancel and be charged full price for. With my old wireless provider, every month when I opened the bill, it was like playing roulette. I never knew how big the bill was going to be and it always seemed to get bigger. With Mint Mobile it's totally different. I know exactly how little I'm paying every month and there's never any surprises. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or a family. And at Mint Mobile, families start at just two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And guys, you get to use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. So transferring over couldn't be easier. So to get premium wireless from just 15 bucks a month and no unexpected plot twists, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. You'll make your wallet very happy at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for being an awesome phone service provider and for especially for being a sponsor of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that all down, let's move on over and start taking your super chats you guys sent in. Let's hear what you guys want to talk about. Chris, what do we got in here? Oh, sorry, Lou, I mean, what do we got in here? Yeah, yeah. Olatan says, could Gunn be the bridge for a Marvel versus DC movie? If I had a quarter for every message I got with that question in the last 24 <laughs> hours, no. No, I, I, I just... There are people even above Kevin Feige and James Gunn, and it's just not going... Not to mention, that movie would be awful. Do you know how many compromises that would be? First of all, the contract negotiations for that movie would take seven years. Every line of dialogue would have to be approved by seven different committees on both companies' sides. And you'd have to end up with a movie where both sides' as characters get equal amount of respect. <laughs> it would be a movie that would be nothing but compromises. All over the place, it would be a mess. Will it happen someday? You can't say anything won't happen someday, maybe, but no, I think, listen, Warner Brothers and James Gunn have a mountain-sized challenge in front of them right now, which is just get DC to respectability. They've got a mountain challenge in front of them. Take what's working, build on those things, fix the things that aren't. That's more than a four-year project all by itself. So I don't think high on the priority list. And by the way, if you're Kevin Feige, why would you do a crossover with DC? Why would you do it? What do you have to gain from it? Nothing. So I, I don't see it. I don't know, Rob, what, what do you think? I got a feeling we're going to get nine of these questions today. Yeah. <laughs> but so let, just well, what do you think all, about that? For, I, I would say, look, like you said, hey, in the future, they made Justice League versus Avengers comics. Great. They have to concentrate on the company they work for that's publicly held, that's publicly traded. I mean, they're not going to be interested in, in working with another publicly held, publicly traded company now. that they, They're trying to build a new uh, – the, the mandate is to bring out DC Studios and put the luster on it that the MCU, that Marvel has. And they've got the creative team to do it. The last thing they're going to do is worry about what someone else is going to be doing. They've got their own characters, their own IPs that they're going to develop and make great. 
And that's what they're going to do. Chris, do you think, uh, what's the possibilities? And we're not talking about Batman Beyond. <laughs> what do you think of the possibilities? Oh of my gosh, the Terry McGinnis and Peter Parker. <laughs> what do you think? No. So, um, let me say, let's say in the next Spider-Man 2099. Ah, Marvel DC was Shit, that'd be crazy. Um, I mean, I don't think it would be happening. I could see it. I could see it as like a Mortal Kombat Street Fighter situation, right? Of like, I could play that game. I don't think it's going to happen in terms of, you know, on-screen narrative. You not, know, Rob, not within the next 10 years. While we're on the topic of James Gunn being there, there is a question I meant to ask you that I didn't get around to during the, the topic, but it, it's, it's appropriate here too. I remember us talking before about when, when DC was looking for their Kevin Feige. Yeah. And one of the things you said is like, there's not another Kevin Feige, which you were right. There's not another Kevin Feige. You often say, yeah, but you find somebody who can do that sort of thing. They went and got two people to fill that, the creative, the producing side. Like, how, how do you look at that overall? Uh, you know what? I think that's the closest they've come because the thing about Kevin Feige that I was saying, was always saying that as an active producer, you know, he saw, he worked on specifically 14 Marvel projects, saw what worked, saw what didn't at multiple studios. So he got an education that you couldn't get otherwise. Peter Safran kind of has done that as well because, you know, in his early in his career, he was producing like Meet the Spartans, those parody movies, yeah. like disaster movie, <laughs> stuff that like even Craig Mazin had been involved with. I mean, that's another thing is that Craig Mazin, who's doing The Last of Us, is also part of this whole cadre. Yeah. And so James Gunn, James Wan, Peter Safran, and all the people they've met on their way up they have a lot of ties and Saffron has produced all the way up to billion dollar movies. They got probably the best person they could. I mean, I, 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 I'm only just not, I wasn't thinking about Peter Saffron. So, but in the two of them, that's pretty formidable. The one thing they have that's even better than a Kevin Feige is that James Gunn's a director. Yeah. So if nothing else, they're going to get, they've made this deal for four years. That's two big tentpole movies that James could do. Plus, doing whatever you look a filmmaker like him he doesn't rest on his laurels he's the kind of guy he can go in and he can have meetings with creatives for two hours set things up yes 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 i already know what you're going to do i mean he lives this stuff so i think what they've done is the best thing they could possibly have done yeah i agree all right what is next sam fisher says did you see the skit from grrm did on Colbert. Yes, George R. R. Martin. I did oh, not. I, I did not. But, but I bet I it's now. I want to see it. I want to see it. I had not heard of that. I did not know about it. But I'm definitely going to go look it up. Thanks for putting it on our radar. Mm -hmm. All right. What's next? Zach Marcello says, "Hey gang, did any of you watch the TV spot for Black Panther that was released today, titled Throne? Seems to confirm multiple Black Panthers." I, uh, I did not know. Like, here's the funny thing. I don't pay attention to TV spots. I always I, I watch all the trailers. I don't really pay attention to TV spots, but they have been putting some pretty damn relevant stuff in their TV spots for Black Panther. So I'm gonna have to again want to remind everybody Black Panther reaction watch later tonight. Make sure you guys uh, join me. And our Ruth Carter interview goes up today. That's right, well. Ruth Carter, the Academy Award winning costume designer for Black Panther Ooh. and Black Panther Two. That's gonna be going up on the channel. Talks about uh, Namor and Namor's costume and design. <gasps> We've got a. Big day today here. Big Ooh. Black Panther day on the show here today. All right, what's next? Andy says, John, eight years ago at AMC, you got to do a live interview with both the president of Marvel Studios and the future co-CEO of DC Studios at the same time. Yeah, that was one of the best days of my career. Mm -hmm. 
um, I had Kevin Feige, Chris Pratt, and James Gunn come to my studio to sit down. We made a big live event out of it. We, we brought in a live studio audience for it. Uh, and we got to do this, like, I think it was like an hour long interview, just talking about this upcoming movie, Guardians of the Galaxy. It was one of the best days. Kevin, James, Chris, none of them could have been any nicer. It was such a wonderful, fun, fun day. And uh, yeah, little did I know, I was sitting with the future CEO of Disney or of DC Studios. Never knew, never knew, it was, but it was a great day. All right, thanks for asking that, man. What's next? Hey, Marcella says, I have a friend who knows nothing about the Star Wars universe. He started with Andor and then watched the movies. He had no idea the force or powers existed. Now he is bored with Andor. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> That's a I, fun way to watch it, though. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that is an interesting way to go about it. Yeah. I, I don't know. What, what would you say to that, Rob? Well, I, I was talking, I think I talked about it last week, about how there are going to be people that discover their way into the Star Wars universe by watching Andor first, yep. which leads them to Rogue One, which leads them to A New Hope. I think that's pretty, I would love it if I learned about Star Wars that way, because it really, le it leads you in in an entirely different way, but also legitimate. It actually puts you into the perspective of, of most people in that universe where they think this is just a crazy old religion. Mm -hmm. yeah, right, exactly. That's right. And then you're like, wait, this Your works. Your sad devotion to that ancient religion. Yeah, <laughs> this works. <laughs> All right, what's next? MP says, I thought it would be cool if Marvel could have Neymar, the king of Talokan, and Neymar, the king of Atlantis in a film. Like a Donnie Yin. Atlantis being a representation of Southeast Asian culture. I'm not quite sure exactly what MP's asking. How, how do you interpret that? I'm, I'm wondering if it's keeping Atlantis like we have in Marvel, but also having but this also Talokan add... version. And so both are oh, there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So representing different cultural aspects. So like of, basically of create a movie with three main empires? In it, like, could something like that work? Do you think? I I guess look, that would be like African European and and Asian. I guess. I mean, we see in Aquaman how they do have the different, you know, groupings and kingdoms underwater, right? Yeah. And those folks all existing in different sense. ways. Yeah. But I think then you have to devote probably a full movie yeah. to just those those different kingdoms before you then introduce them to their conflict with Wakanda. I also think that they, there's something to do with this from a legal standpoint. Mm -hmm. You know, from like you, if DC, they are they beat him to the punch with Atlantis and an undersea kingdom. But if Marvel has Atlantis and an undersea kingdom, could they do that legally? It feels like when you know, like no strings attached, and just friends came out mm -hmm. at the same time, or a Bug's Life and Ants, <laughs> where then you're like, aren't these the same movie? Yeah. You've got to delineate them. And yeah. I think it's, I think they did rather than run into that as a problem. They just nipped it in the bud. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And are giving us a really cool thing that we haven't seen before. Right. All right. What's next? All right. Jay King says, saw Ruben Ostlund's triangle of sadness this weekend. Brilliant. Instantly entered my top three of the year. Also, I see new best actress contender in Dolly de Leon. It's, it's Ooh. funny because somebody brought up triangle sadness and I totally didn't know what we were talking about. That was from some kind of trailer. No, it was from a movie, not just a trailer. Have you guys heard much about well, the film? Well, Taylor was going to go see it. Did you see he it? Did see it. Yeah, I did see it. I just think if they cut a half hour out of it, it would have been a lot better. It's just the jokes just dragged. And, oh. uh, there was there was a fight. I talked about this yesterday on Open Mic. It lasted, honestly, like 15 minutes. But if they had cut it down to like seven minutes, it would have been a lot And by funnier. fight, you mean argument. Yeah, the, the, the argument it wasn't was a, a couple... 15 minute action fight scene. It no, was... it was like yeah. just like a couple arguing. That's it. They live. What they were fighting about <laughs> yeah. was funny, but if they had just cut it in half, it would have been a lot funnier. 
Mm. Um, by the way, we were just talking about that that thing we did with uh, with Kevin Feige. I, we pulled up a picture for this. This is this was a great day. And yes, Chris Pratt is that tall. Um, but that was uh, yeah, that was one of my favorite days. I got to be the moderator for the Avengers panel with me and the entire cast of Avengers. That might be number one. I've, I've moderated some panels in Hall H. That's really high. But this is a top two. Uh, best, most fun days of my career. And like I said, James Gunn, that was the first day I met James Gunn. And I've had a chance to meet him several times after that, but just an incredible, wonderful, awesome dude. All right, what's next? Let's see. Oh, CJ Rebirth says, wow, Chris, loved your anime reels on your site. Oh. I'm curious though, if you're able to be in something by Crunchyroll or Funimation. Oh, CJ Rebirth, thank you so much for going and watching my stuff. I really appreciate that. Um, currently, I cannot be in things that are being done by Crunchyroll or Funimation because they are non-union projects typically, and I am a sag after actor. Hopefully though, they will move forward and give union contracts to their actors so that those actors are paid what they should be paid, and so they also can opt into healthcare because that is really really important to have access to and sad contracts make sure that you get the health care that you deserve but thank you all for right. watching my stuff great Yay. answer all right what's next the batman with a 50 dollars super chat. oh thank you batman very Whoa. much appreciate that dude so in one week dc has established black adam in the dceu jsa in the dceu henry cavill's return and gun and peter taking charge i smell something oh yes it's in the air i smell a dc comeback baby <laughs> i think today is a day that we will look back on five or six years from now and go i remember the day that they announced james gunn was taking over james gunn and peter were going to be taking over and look at the state that dc's in now and it's going to be i listen i've been saying for a while that i really believe when david zaslav took over Warner Brothers and stuff like that. I've been saying ever since that happened, I think there are very much brighter days ahead for DC films. And yeah, he swung the axe and it's easy to swing an axe, even though it was pretty ballsy to swing the axe in some places that he did. Still, it's easy to do that. It's what can you build? And I'm telling you what, bringing back Henry Cavill, having uh, Alan Shore, Alan Horn as, as your main consigliere, bringing in James Gunn and Peter Safran. Listen, I... Again, we're not going to see the immediate effects of this in the next year or two. We're not going to feel the effects of it. It's not going to be till we get like two and a half, three years down the line that we'll really see the tangible results of this. But I, I think they've laid some great groundwork here. You know, Tuesday, six days from today is November 1st when Oof. they take over. Yep. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm expecting a big announcement of something. I agree. I think day one they're gonna they're gonna come out with some big announcement. I, I don't know what it'll be. I'm not even gonna speculate. No, nope, I but think it'll be something big. It's gonna be Batman Beyond. <laughs> <laughs> if it is, lunch is on me for everybody. If it is, all right. What's Starring next? Tom Holland. No. <laughs> By the way, it's not gonna be Batman Beyond, but I'm. It'd be fun, it'd be cool if it was. Really nice. <laughs> J Master with a twenty dollars super chat. Thank you, J Master. Appreciate that, man. Breaking per Marvel. Rihanna's new song, Lift Me Up, releases on Friday for Wakanda Forever, was written as a tribute to the life and legacy of Chadwick Boseman by Thames Ludwig Gordonson, Rihanna, and Ryan Coogler. Yeah, I remember cool. they announced a little while ago that Rihanna, Rihanna was going to be doing the end credit song uh, for the movie. I, mm. I, I'm dying to see it and hear it. And uh, again, reactions. The movie's going to be viewed by a public audience for the first time today. I got to say, John, for our reaction video tonight or live show, I'm really excited to hear about this movie. Yeah. Because so my excitement level for this is high. 
Yeah. Right. Now, I'm not going to lie. I've seen a little bit of it, but but nothing that answered any of the important questions. Like as far as identity, who ends the movie as Black Panther? So I I know none of that. I I really don't. The stuff I've seen looks really interesting. Looks really good. But I I'm really excited to hear how this hits people tonight, and I, I'm excited for that. Now, do they? Is there going to be an embargo? Uh, like can Variety can the trades review this tomorrow? It, it, the here's the thing. Technically speaking, a premiere is a public viewing. You cannot have an embargo uh, on it after that. So I, you're going to see the reviews coming out. Wow. At, okay. very, at the very, very minimum, you're going to see all the reactions come out after after the thing tonight. Whether or not Variety chooses to publish their reviews right now, I don't know. They, maybe the studio talked to the big trades early and said, listen, would you? We don't, we're going to have the premiere earlier than we thought but we don't want to blow our load too early because the movie is still like three weeks away. Yeah. Right. So we don't want to blow our load too soon. Can you, do, I, so I don't know what's going to happen. To the main is it opening pre- foreign like they do earlier than it's no idea. Here? Haven't looked Taylor. Maybe you can find that out for us. Here's a question. International uh, Marvel just posted uh, on Instagram. It just, it's just a real quick thing. And it shows, it says like Wakanda forever. And then the, just the R in forever comes up by itself and it says 1028. Oh, that's, <clears> that's, that's for Rihanna. That's oh, the that's R for Rihanna. Rihanna. Yeah. Okay, so oh, that's yeah, the yeah. Like the chat said, that confirms that Rihanna is Black Panther. Oh. <laughs> now 100%. Yeah. 100%. All right, what's next? Ben Rayner says, hey guys, Animal House is real in MCU. I remember watching Ant-Man 2 and there's a clip in the movie where Scott is on the plane and Animal House is playing in the background. And I'm serious, it's really there. But they that doesn't mean Kevin Bacon is in it. Mm. Because oh, if he's in Cocktail, he's not necessarily in Friday the in 13th clip. or Animal House. I mean, it's, it's true. Uh, I need to know what Kevin Bacon's filmography. <laughs> I need the, M, the, the IMDb should have the alternate filmography for Kevin Bacon <laughs> in the MCU. I am so excited for the YouTuber who does the MCU Kevin uh, Bacon breakdown. It's yep. going to be so, so good. Oh, and when he won the Academy Award for Philadelphia. Oh, he was incredible yeah. in that. Oh, <laughs> uh, the real question, Flatliners, was he in Flatliners? Or did Flatliners even exist? Did it exist? <laughs> in, in that universe. Was there a Brat A lot of people ask that anyway. Yeah, I know. <laughs> was he you know, you know what's funny, with Rob? Remember that list of three actors Deep I listed today about the great... He Actually, he's, he's a fourth. Well, he's what's really going to be the same weird, idea, too. Sorry, in, a child, young actor. In Deadpool 3, what happens when... Shaw beats Kevin Bacon. <laughs> what if the Hellfire Club, you know, how's that going to work? All right, what's next? Chef Bionis says, is The Rock still going to be an advisor for DC? Well, it's never been said that he's going to be an advisor. He simply said he's offered himself to be an advisor. He's going to raise his eyebrow. I mean, same. <laughs> I, I do that every time I'm on this show where I yell, call me. Yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> we're sitting here. We are advising DC films as we speak. Does he have a better shot? Absolutely. I would imagine James Gunn has a relationship with, well, wrestlers call me crazy, but maybe he knows other wrestlers that know Dwayne Johnson. You crazy. Well, I mean, you know, the obvious. Yes. I would imagine. So there's probably some synergy there. Oh, listen, I'm sure Dwayne Johnson and James Gunn have already met. I'm sure they have. So, but uh, but I, I don't know that Dwayne Johnson is going to be in any official capacity an advisor. They 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 got it covered. They got they got some good. You know, our there. show. I like to think of it as the butterfly effect for the movie industry. <laughs> it's small it's changes. Yeah, man. I'm so so. <laughs> I, I, it, it is funny. Every day I get surprised by who watches this show. 
Now, because I'm not, I'm not going to say who. Maybe someday I will. But I remember I came into the office a little bit ago, and I was like dumbfounded, and I, saw, I showed, I just told my father, Rob, look who emailed me, <laughs> and it's that was pretty shocking. That yeah. was shocking. Shocking. I, I, I was like, more shocking is you got an email, you got a return email back from that person. Yeah, yeah. like so they emailed me. <laughs> I emailed them back, going, "Oh my God, thank you so much for writing to me." And then they wrote me back again. It was like, like my mind was blown. But it's like, it's just funny. Every day we're all. We're all being kind of consultants in some way, shape, or form. About <laughs> I, I do like it when it's heavy the hitters things. in the industry correct me. Like yeah. I've been corrected, not in a bad way. You know, if someone says, "Listen, you might want to." They're always nice about it, but it's nice that we're. And I always ask if they send something to me or people. I always ask, "Can I say it? I won't use your name." And people are usually pretty open about it. You know, that pretty first good. time that happened to me, I it was the first time ever. I was still doing the movie blog, first time ever that I thought I was breaking a scoop. It was the first time ever. I'd heard from two different sources that I had, this is going back years, that I felt pretty good about, that this upcoming Ant-Man movie was going to be starring Academy Award winning actor from the pianist- uh, Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody. That Adrian Brody was going to be Ant-Man. And I, I wrote it on the, the movie blog. I'm like, I, I've got to believe it. The, the people I'm hearing this from believe it. it's going to be, 12 hours later, Edgar Wright e e emails me. Because, yeah, no. <laughs> Just so you know, you're wrong, son. <laughs> so I was like, all right. Thank you, Edgar. And then at that point on, I was out of the scoop business. Never again. It was actually going to be Rihanna. <laughs> all right, what's next? Zishan says, love One Piece. Comic is one of two literary series to break half a million copies sold next to half Harry Potter. Half a billion. Half a billion. Oh, billion, yeah. half a billion copies sold next to Harry Potter. It is second to all Superman, all of Superman at 600 million. Again, I know nothing about One Piece. I only know One Piece from the anime. I never read the manga. Um, that's awesome that it sold so much, though. That's really, really cool. It is. It, if you are trying to get into that show, though, tuck in because there's so many episodes i'm still not through it i get really sad every time they change the theme songs but that's what animes do you fall in love with a theme song and then they change it after one season oh makes me sad all right what's next sam fisher says rob i think you have to open sandman season two with tales in the sand and not midsummer night dream unless it's done like episode four cutting between the two there's part two down here uh well here oh or like episode 11 as two short stories in one episode. You can replace Glucoran or Glurican and Nuala with Oberon and Titania in Season of Mists or vice versa in Midsummer. But you already why are you making those changes? Because they end they end with if they're following the books of Sandman which they have, they already gave us um uh uh a Dream of a Thousand Cats and then they gave us uh it, we're, we're up to a Midsummer Night's Dream. We don't know if they're going to do Facade, which is the that's a female metamorphosis story, which is DC centric, which they probably won't do. But a Midsummer Night's Dream is a self-contained story that's awesome that they could expand to one hour because they shoot it on location. Um, and, and then you, you go right into Season of Mist. There's no even reason to make any changes. I love looking for that part, too. You're like, ah, already <laughs> revving up. Yeah, I, I was, but no, I mean, I, I don't think there's any reason. If they go by no, what they you. did, and the, yeah, and the first, the, a Midsummer Night's Dream is next up. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next? The Antagonistic Anonymous says, weirdly, 
saw on Twitter last night that insiders like RPK, Charles Murphy, and BSL reported that Doom has been removed PC scenes of Black Panther 2. That's odd. Anyway, any chance for Black Panther 2 reaction watch tonight, John? Um, How well, do we, we are. Know? Yeah, we've already announced we are doing a reaction watch tonight. So what are they? they were, that Doom was removed from the post-credit scenes. But oh. I mean, that's like, okay, how would we know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that would be a convenient way to cover up reporting that there was going to be a Doom post-credit scene. You found out you were wrong to yeah, then, then, oh, then to announce that they removed the post. By the way, I'm totally making that up. I have no <laughs> idea what the situation is. Um, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. First like, of all, you know, when you, you can't, it depends how far down the line they were, but if they're if they were moved a scene from the end of a movie, that's not the easiest thing in the world to do either. Unless it's, it's a post credit. Yeah. Well, yeah. Post credit, then it is the easiest thing. To but do, right? but still, I mean, you've really? still got to mix it and get this get it out to the right. all the different places, and you have to have all the metadata created. I mean, it's it's still a problem. And then why would it be there, but then removed? Like, yeah, that's the thing. Why would they? Wouldn't they know? I've, oh, listen, I've always agreed that it would make sense if Doctor Doom popped up in there, but mm -hmm. I've always also wondered. Why though? Like, why have them crawl into the MCU? Like, hi everybody, I'm here. Okay, I'll see you later. Uh -huh. you know, I love I'll, that I'll for him. By the way, I'm Victor. Hey. Yeah, I, I just, I, I've never understood why. But hey, listen, I still believe there's a chance we see him in this. I, I do, and we'll probably find out tonight if, if he is or not. Yeah, yeah. Because people will not stay quiet about it. No. no. All right. What's next? Mickey Bell says, hey guys, a more pressing question is, did the MCU's Kevin Bacon star in X-Men First Class? <laughs> we were talking about that. I know. Yeah. I, man, that's a, that's a very good question. Because now that X-Men are there. That's got to well, be. Well, it's a, a different universe as X-Men. A different universe. What? And that wasn't Kevin, that was, wasn't Kevin Bacon, that was a real character, right? Yeah. You look like Kevin What B if Bacon. he has a poster of X-Men First Class in his house, though, and all of them turn to it and go, mutants? That's so stupid. Weak and stupid. Dumb. Uh, I, 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 could, I could see that actually happening. James yeah. Gunn would do that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah, he totally he would. He would do that. All right, what's next? Ryan Clary says, Hi, guys. Rob, did you know the Millennium Falcon is in the Battle of Sector 001 in Star Trek First Contact? I'll yep. take you a screenshot. I, I, I did not yep. know that. I would yep. love to see it's, that screenshot. You know, the Millennium Falcon appears in more places than you might think. That's all I'm saying. But that's still, that's a screenshot I would like to see. It's, uh, yes. Show it to me when you, once you get it. All right, what's next? Deshaun says, DC Fandome going to be big and held earlier next year. So many gold shoes. Well, we are. are they? <laughs> I want to know. I what kind know. of hats is Cam going to have this year? Because that's what the world is waiting for. Cam Newton, where are the hats? Mm -hmm. We need the hats. Oh, my God. The last DC fandom was such a fucking train wreck. It was such an utter dumpster fire. And, and I say that because the first one was so surprisingly good. That first one they did really surprised awesome. me by the high quality of it. it I'm actually, really by the way, is this official? They're, they've announced they're doing another DC. I don't know. No, I think he's just saying like it's going to be fire. Yeah. Next. No, oh, this one I don't because like... I don't think there's going to be one. I mean, if they've already announced one, then I stand corrected. But I don't. I don't think they're even going to do. You think another. the last one was such a festering turd that they're not going to do this again? Well, and you know the pandemic's behind us. That's all fair. that kind of stuff is the need even there to do it. But I, they so dropped the ball in the last one. It was criminal. Almost as bad as Marvel and Star Wars dropped the ball on their presentation at D23. It was that was also awful. Part of me feels like Comic Con could go off, but then it's also like, but it's so early. They're starting in November. 
Maybe it's going to be the year after 2024. Mm -hmm. Listen, I'm expecting a very packed CinemaCon this oh. year. CinemaCon coming up. We're uh, November, December, January, February. We're in a few weeks. We'll be five months away. I'm going to go to from CinemaCon. I think CinemaCon is going to be. I can't believe it's been that long. Banger. Since we all went. It's going to be huge. I cannot wait to see James Gunn walk on that stage in Las Vegas and unveil his plans. For oh, it's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. Okay, anyway, what's next? <laughs> Elden Goblin says, just seen Clerks 3. Never bawled so much in my life over a movie. Mm -hmm. I did not expect it to be that heavy. The humor was very hit or miss, though, compared to Clerks 1 and 2. I've got it sitting in my theater room ready for me to watch it <laughs> i don't know anybody that was more excited about the clerks franchise than me because clerks 2 is a top 20 of my all-time favorite films and i still haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it i, I gotta do it in the next day or two i'll do that because i've heard nothing but amazing things about it so i can't wait i'm glad you saw it glad you enjoyed it man all right what's next diggo v says what do you think, if any, influence Gunn is going to have on projects in progress like The Flash or Blue Beetle? Zero. Those are films that are already shot. They're already made. They're already in the can. So there's good. Again, that's one of the reasons why we say that when a regime change happens at a studio, you are literally years away from feeling the actual tangible results. Like we're, we're going to in the coming months, we're going to hear announcements and we're going to get ideas of plans. But as far as the actual tangible difference, like sitting down in a the theater, watching a movie and seeing how the quality plays out, we're years away from that. And Blue Beetle, this it's already done. Like that's, I mean, I guess James Gunn could come in and say, I don't want Blue Beetle in theaters. That's now under his purview to say, he's the president of, he's the chairman and CEO of, of that thing. He could do that, but I don't think he's going to. So yeah, you're going to feel zero effect of James Gunn's presence in the flash, zero effect on, uh, uh, what were we just talking about too? Blue Beetle. Mm -hmm. Uh, what else they got coming out? What's what else is coming down the pipe? Shazam, Fury of the Gods. You're not getting zero effect Flash. on Shazam. Yeah, so Aquaman. it's going to be a little while before we get to see the effects of it. All right, what's next? Jai CSC says, has WBD had this partnership strategy in mind from the beginning? Was Gunn in place for months and WBD have just spent all this time looking for his partner? Well, I mean, considering how much Gunn and Saffron have worked together before, and the fact that I don't see them going out and giving a director the solo reins of it without that producer partner being in there. I have a feeling this was always a package deal. Now, let's not forget, they were also looking at Andrew Lynn, but... Dan Lynn. Uh, Dan Lynn, sorry. There was never an official, an official offer made that just had a sign. So I don't know if they were pursuing both of those at the same time and to see what would shake out and what would work out properly. I don't know if they were talking to James Gunn and Saffron first and then was having Lynn lined up as a possible uh, a possibility Wait. if that didn't work out or if it's the other way around. Don't know. I, I bet I bet it was something because they said that in one of the articles, I think a deadline, they talked about how James Gunn and Saffron were like consulting because Dan Lynn had been a studio executive at Warner Brothers. Yeah. So I'll bet it was one of the things. Successful, when, exactly. Uh, very successful. He left and, and started his company. I'll bet at some point there was a, they're like, well, and, and you've got Saffron doing Aquaman and Fury of the Gods. They're still finishing those. I'll bet at one point Sasov said, well, why don't you guys do it? Like it was something that occurred to them in a meeting. And they were like, huh, I bet it was something like that. 
I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. But and they just it, because that's such an unconventional way. And I, I think again, I'd like to be believe that was David Zaslav like thinking out of the box. I think only he would do it. I don't think anybody else would have done it. No, I, I don't think I, the only other person who would have done this, who I think was probably the 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 impetus for all this, is Alan Horn. Yeah, I think it was probably Alan Horn, David Zaslav sitting down and and Horn going. Let's try this. Because we know he consulted. We know Zaslav, before he took over Warner Brothers, he was talking to a lot of people. The listening tour. He did the listening listening tour. tour. And I'll bet he was like, why don't you guys do it? I mean, that seems to me that that was a decision that was probably made, maybe not in haste, but a great decision. All right. What's next? Andy says, I always thought that maybe WB would tap into James Gunn to forge the creative direction of a DC shared universe. I didn't think they'd actually do it. Again, I really thought they would do what is normally done. Like in sports teams, you lost your coach, go find another coach that another team fired and bring them in. And and there's nothing wrong with that strategy. There's a lot of success in that strategy. That's what I thought they were going to do. And I had no problem with it. That, I'm sure they would have got somebody good. This is not something many other studios would have done. And I think you're right. I think anything, anybody outside of a David Zaslav and Alan Horn, I don't know another studio makes this move. And maybe they'll live to regret it. <laughs> or this could be as good as we, we think it could be. So, yeah, you're right. I, this is why it caught me so much by surprise, but it's great. All right, what's next? Super Texas Shark or South Texas Shark. They said Super Texas earlier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just got my AMC Nicole Kidman shirt from Etsy. Yay! Oh, I've had mine for a long time. <laughs> I've had mine for a long time. I don't know if I still have it, but I mean, no, I know I still have it. You guys have seen it. But uh, yeah, that damn Nicole Kidman. That's <laughs> so bad. I love Nicole Kidman so much, but damn, that thing is so bad. Mm-hmm. All right, what's next? James Argenta says, could Theo from Rings of Power be the Witch King? One of the last times we see him is cheering Halbrand and Sauron. No, because they were kings of men and bear, ring bearers themselves. And I don't think, I mean, I guess they could see maybe Theo becomes king of the Southlands. I mean, Isildur becomes a king. Yeah. So. Yeah. So maybe Theo becomes king of the Southlands. Maybe. King maybe. of the bowl cuts. Yeah. <laughs> the king of the bowl cuts. I guess I shouldn't just, I shouldn't, um. Uh, reject that show out of hand. I guess that is a possibility. All right, what's next? Dialdar says, I think Gunn would be perfect for Booster Gold or Plastic Man. <gasps> mm-hmm. oh, I would love to see a James Gunn Plastic Man. Dude, oh, my God. Gail Simone always talks about how she's writing it with Ben Schwartz in mind when she does runs of it, and I want that movie. Oh, man. Or at least he would shepherd it into existence. Yeah. All right, what's next? Tim Platt says... Black Adam never has a movie I actually liked annoyed me so much. <laughs> oh, <laughs> listen, oh, no. it's the funny thing. I remember the first conversation Rob and I had after both of us had seen Black Adam. And I believe my exact words to you were, I have never seen a movie that was this bad that I've enjoyed so much. Yeah. I mean, there are so many things wrong with Black Adam, but I would be bold faced lying if I didn't tell you that when I came out of theater, I was smiling and I had a really good time. I enjoyed that movie. I feel that way about Hudson Hawk, the Bruce Willis right? movie. Hudson yeah, yeah. It's not a great movie, but I love it. <laughs> All right, what's next? The Richard says, Aloha, Campy Aniex. Campy Aniex. Gun, I see Dark Batman Beyond a la uh, 
T2 Terminator plus, 2 Terminator 2 plus AI that future forever yeah see <laughs> I would say that's a possibility except for one thing James Gunn is intelligent and being intelligent the only one who doesn't want this just to let it happen <coughs> just let it happen there's Leon. a reason it hasn't happened for 10 years i've had people tell me in the next couple of years john we're gonna have a batman beyond i've said no we're not no we're not and well, for 10 years and, why don't uh, you want me to be happy <laughs> i just i don't crushing her dreams I why don't you want me to be why can't happy? why can't i have nice things <laughs> He's in the Arkham games. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, I, I, I've said this before. I will say it again. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, I believe, has made a Batman Beyond animated movie a much more realistic possibility today. And I be mad I'll about even that. say, as much as I just joked about it, I actually think James Gunn, who is a dice roller, who is unorthodox, who is a risk taker, I think James Gunn being now the CEO of Disney Studios, while I'm not saying it means there's going to be a Batman Beyond movie, I think it increases the chances for a Batman Beyond movie. So I, I think the likelihood and the possibility for a Batman, if you're somebody who's looking forward and wants a Batman Beyond movie, I believe today, today, there is a better chance of it happening than there's ever been before. So we'll we'll see if that ever comes to fruition. Denis, okay, Denis Villeneuve needs a job after Dune Two's done. Yeah, because I'm sure that's what Denis Brothers. Villeneuve wants to do. He wants to do Batman yeah. Beyond. And you know, two for me, one for them. He can do that. You <laughs> know? On, that dark, that dark, yeah. like they 2049 gave him, style uh, yeah. soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is that? All right, what's next? Quality not included. My wife and I have been binging some classic Canadian cringe. Degrassi, the next generation. Okay. Oh, dip. True story. Last night, we had some friends over. We had a games night at our place. We had a few friends over. And we had just put uh, a Sonos uh, surround sound system in the theater room. So we went in, and the, the music that we put on when we're testing speakers in our house is uh, Starter from the Bottom by good Canadian kid Drake. <laughs> and we're playing that just so we could all experience the sound in it. By the way, Sonos, oh my God. Um, experience the sound of it. And... Our girlfriend goes, I just can't see him out of a wheelchair. It's Jimmy. And then it's like all like all I can see is Degrassi when I look at him. So it was pretty fun that you brought up Degrassi now. <laughs> you ever, were you ever uh, an apostle of Degrassi, Rob? No. <laughs> I was too old for that. I did see some episodes. Just the guy who rocks Blackpink t-shirts. <laughs> Tell me again now you're too old for Degrassi. Well, yeah, there's that. Well, the the, the, the black girls in black pink are in their 20s. Just saying. How How is this helping you right now? All right. What's next? How is not this high helping school. you right now? Really not that funny, says with Gunn leading DC now is having a future Marvel DC crossover film more realistic. Gunn has obviously been a big figure for both. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I, we, we covered this a little bit earlier. James Gunn and Peter Safran have much bigger and more important challenges facing them to get this thing up and running. Yeah. So it's probably We already not. said it's going to be Spider-Man 2099 and Batman Beyond. Yeah. yeah there it's you go. Great. There's the ultimate team <laughs> up. Terry and By the way, just, just so you guys saw it, I, I, I mentioned that, that I had now. my... Uh, yeah. the, everybody wants to see that movie now. Uh, I was mentioning that I've got my Nicole Kidman shirt. If you have not seen it, Oh, is there any way you could uh, yeah, raise that up? Scroll down a little bit. Yeah, there yeah. it is. That's me and my. Uh, <laughs> That's a great shirt. And bought me that shirt. Like, 
like coming out of the theater one day. She's like, I got to get you that shirt. So yeah, there's that shirt we were talking about. <laughs> I'm All surprised right. they don't sell those at the AMC theater. They should. Oh God. The, you know the money they would make? Yeah, like yeah. a real like a real one, a whole, a whole slew of them. Design them like club shirts or skater shirts. I want a make hot toy cool. figure of Nicole Kidman in that suit. Mm-hmm. That would be my first hot toy. <laughs> well, they are making Batman Forever hot toys. Maybe they'll make a chase. <gasps> oh, if they do chase, I could, yeah. There I'll you go. put That's glitter on that right little there. suit. I know. Oh, my gosh. And red hair. Just All right. Like, <laughs> what's next? Matt Sanders with a $20 super chat says, kind of genius that there's two people in charge of DC. Really think that's smart. Uh, first of all, Matt, thank you so much for sponsoring us on that level, man. This is really generous of you. Uh, and again, I it's not even something I thought about. Um, going into it, we were always thinking about single names, single names, single names. And listen, dual roles do present certain challenges, right? We have seen in the past two heads that don't get along and then that can cause problems. But I've never met anybody... Even James Gunn's ex-wife loves James Gunn. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, I've never talked to anybody in this business that straight up did not love James Gunn. And so, uh, and him and Peter have a long, long-term working relationship. I, I think this is going to work really well. And again, surprised me too, but I think it was a great, great move. All right, what's next? Sean Ryder says, do you see DC Marvel live action crossover (laughs) happening in the next 20 years? Maybe not realistic, but seems fun someday. Look, in the Hollywood business, five years equals an eternity. So in the next 20 years, I mean, anything's possible. Anything's possible. But like in the next, in the more immediate future, when we can actually make some tangible guesses, I don't see it happening in the next seven, eight or nine years. But hey, 20, anything can happen. All right. What's next? Andy says, there's no other Kevin Feige right now with both creative vision and executive expertise for Zaslav to find. So I think getting a person for each role was perfect. I mean, yes. And also you got to remember, Kevin Feige wasn't Kevin Feige when he started. Remember, the Kevin Feige we have right now has also been forged by 15 years of doing it. Like he's grown to this point. But I would say this, and Rob, I think you were alluding to this a a little bit earlier. What DC has done here by getting the two people, I think the one thing that they've got now that even Kevin Feige doesn't have is that you've got a CEO and head of the studio in James Gunn that is himself a director. And when he is dealing with and negotiating with and being creative with and consulting with the other directors they're going to have on their projects, he is actually speaking from firsthand knowledge. Now, I'm not saying that makes James Gunn better than Kevin Feige. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying that that gives him a dimension that even Kevin Feige doesn't have. Absolutely. And and that could be really interesting when certain directors are looking at working with those projects. I, I just think it could be very interesting. Plus, I mean, the relationships that both Peter Safran and James Gunn have are wide ranging. Yeah. Because Gunn's been in the business for a quarter century. And Peter Safran has almost as well. I mean, at a point where they were, I mean, yeah, James Gunn was working at Troma, but mm-hmm. still he was making movies in the mid-90s. All right, what's next? It's like uh, the song says in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, man. Two heads are better than one. Double the pleasure, triple the fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works. 
Jason DeMossi says, will this now mean Gunn will not do any promotions for Guardians of the Galaxy 3, or will that be worked out already with DC? Oh, he'll definitely be promoting Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy 3. No doubt about it. He is the director on it. I mean, there are still contractual obligations that he has, and it's his movie. By, by the way, do you think that Disney, I mean, that Warner Brothers shareholders aren't going to love it when James Gunn has a movie that makes a billion oh, dollars? Yeah. This is, you know who, yeah, that's, that's the main <laughs> point here. You know who really wants him to promote Guardians of the Galaxy 3? Warner Brothers. Yeah, Warner Brothers. <laughs> and now, it might be different if Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was opening up against some big Warner Brothers movie on the same day. That could be problematic, but that's not the case. So, Warner Brothers would love everybody to love Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and heap all this praise on James Gunn and then go, by the way, he's our guy now. Especially because I am willing to bet you that James Gunn will be deep into directing whatever his new movie is at Warner Brothers when Guardians of the Galaxy comes out. I don't, I don't agree. I think he's going to get himself settled first for, for a little bit as the CEO set up some projects. I think we're going to see him directing again sooner rather than later, but I, I don't think before the next Guardians movie comes I don't out. know. I, I, well, we'll see. You might be right. All right, what's next? Brand Demand says, I question what will they do without a Batman in the DCEU? With James behind the gun, Ben will return. I, I still, <laughs> listen, I, I think... The one part of this whole discussion about Ben Affleck and everything, and by the way, everybody knows I'm going to cream if Ben Affleck comes back as Batman. He's my favorite Batman, period. But everybody looks past the human element of this story. Uh, I mentioned this before. Him and Matt Damon publicly talked about their discussions when Matt Damon basically told him, trying to play Batman is killing you. It's killing you. Um, he, and part of that was because he took, and, and, and Affleck talked about this. He takes the Batman character so seriously and so importantly, and, and really cares what people think about him as the Batman. And, and Matt Damon just said, this is not healthy for you to try to play this character. And it nearly destroyed him. It probably destroyed his marriage. Um, it, it sent him into one of the darkest periods of his life. I, and because of that, I really hope he does not come back to Batman. It's time to move on to greener pastures. It's time to move on to new projects, flex your directing muscles, do new creative things, all that kind of stuff. Now, I'm not going to lie. If they announced tomorrow Ben was going to do his Batman movie with Deathstroke and, and uh, Joe Manganiello and all that kind of stuff. I will be the happiest dude in the world. But removed from that, uh, if Ben if Ben were to call me and say, do you think I should play Batman again? I would definitely say no. Dude, you, you've you've you're in a such a better place in your life now. Why? Like if, if you're a recovering alcoholic, why go hang out at the bar? It, it's just it's fun. Because it's fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I just think he should stay away. Let from me that. ask you this. Do you think he will direct another DC movie under, under the new regime? I can totally see that. I can too. I can totally see that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it, it's, I mean, he is one of the, I, Look, I, I don't mean this facetious. He's one of the best directors in the world right now. I, I, I really believe that. Like, every one of the movies he's directed, I think, has been wonderful. Plus, he's a contemporary. Yeah. I mean, you think that they wouldn't want to bring... And Ben Affleck, ah, wait, all the movies he's directed, all four of them have been for what studio? Yeah, they've all been for Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. All right, what's next? 
Mickey Bell says, shout out to Chris for her Leia hairstyle today. Aw, <laughs> thank you. Everyone thinks I chop off my hair, too, in the chat. They're like, why'd you do that? It's it's pinned. It's all there. It's, it's, it's all there. there. Yeah. I'm like, it's yeah. your endor hair. You're even wearing kind of endor yeah, hair. Yeah, this is, this is like my, my return cosplay. Yeah. This is also, I did not have time to wash my hair because my dog Gimli is very, very sick and was just getting sick all over the floor this morning. So, um, but, but I'm glad I could pull it together. <laughs> all right, what's next? Alex Mata says, I have a feeling that a lot of IPs in the DCEU could be soft rebuted. Example, T oh, TSS. The Suicide Squad. Oh, the Suicide Squad. Yes, the Suicide Squad. Yeah, listen, I look, with Henry Cavill coming back, that clearly shows the roster of characters is what we're going with in the DCEU. But it also means some soft rebooting. And I, and I really emphasize the word soft, like some soft rebooting. And... I think James Gunn is the guy to do it. I mean, look what he did with Suicide Squad. He took a hot... And by the way, I don't care what anybody else says. I'm one of the people who is still a fan of the original Suicide Squad. I had fun with it. You, 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 you too? I like it. It's Listen, fun. it's a it's hot fun. mess of a movie. Yeah, it's fun though. But I had a lot of fun with it. And, and not as much fun as I did with Black Adam, but still, it was a fun movie. But the, re, the soft relaunch of it that James Gunn did, superior in every aspect. I mean, that movie is, again, I think it's the second best DCU movie only behind Man of Steel. But I think you're going to see a lot of that too. Like, because you can't just, what they cannot do is just say, well, let's just continue with everything the way we were doing it. Well, because that was leading you into a into a, um, a dead end. So they're going to have to do a little bit of soft rebooting. So I think you're absolutely right. All right, what's next? Just some support at the bottom there first. Oh, D Murdoch sends in some support. Thank you, Dee. <laughs> Marie Cyphrings with a $20 super chat. Thank you, Marie. With all the weird stuff, which has already happened in the MCU, two aliens breaking in to kidnap Kevin Bacon as a Christmas <laughs> gift for Star-Lord doesn't seem that odd. Kevin can call She-Hulk when he sues. I mean, honest, I'll be honest with you. When they said they were going to the house and everything, I thought it was going to be Kevin Feige. I really did. I did too. It being Kevin Bacon makes, I mean, obviously when you know the, the stuff that Star-Lord has yeah, said in yeah. previous movies, that makes way more sense. And I love Kevin Bacon. Question. Yes. Will Kevin Bacon and Star-Lord have a dance-off? Yes. Ooh. Yeah, like, you know, like there, there's, James. Why would you have him and not? You, yeah. there is literally no excuse under the sun that will forgive the idea of having both of them and not having a Footloose style dance-off. Follow has to up. happen. Will they play Let's Hear It for the Boy? <gasps> and they learn so to the dance. Office, they Robin, teach you don't even realize it. Come on. No, I Or will I, they just go with the footloose? I think they song. just go with footloose. You gotta go Kenny Loggins. I think they go footloose. You do. Yes. You probably oh, do. What yeah. if he does the rage dancing though in the warehouse? There's so yeah, many possibilities. Yeah, <laughs> That's what I do when I'm angry. That's what Star-Lord does uh, trying to get over Gamora. Yeah. 42 minutes of this 60-minute special will just be dancing. There's I just hope a lot so. of dancing. All will right. John Lithgow give a fiery speech about why they shouldn't dance? Oh, <laughs> God, that would be so good. All right, what's next? Let's see. J oh, yes, Jay Master says, actually, John, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special releases on November 25th. Okay, I'd said November 23rd, right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, 25th. There you go. Can't get here soon enough. Thanks for the update on that. I appreciate that, man. All right. What's next? Okay. Michael Serda says, are you cool with the guys at Double Toasted? I don't know Double Toasted. I'm not aware of that channel. I bet they're great. I, I'm, I'm yep. sure they're fantastic. They're not. I'm not, I'm not familiar know. with yeah. them. I want marshmallows. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, it just makes me think of food. Yeah. All right. What's more. next? Double Toasted sounds like a nice Christmas drink. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I'm like... <laughs> 
Harry Katsaro says, love that such a talented writer is going to be in charge of DC. Hopefully that means some quality control from someone that knows what good writing looks like and no more half-baked scripts like Black Adam. Uh, I mean, again, the, the Black Adam thing, that script is so bad, there's just no excuse for it. But, I mean, here's the thing about scripts that I find average fans, and, and I'm guilty of it too, we're all guilty of it. You forget that scripts can read wonderful and and listen it's there's a big transition that happens taking it from script to screen i go back to this one a lot just because it's a great example the uh sam um worthington it is worthington right yeah, yeah. uh clash of the titans yeah and wrath of the titans i got my hands on the script of that movie like a year before it came out and i read that script and i'm like this is awesome like this is really gonna be good and then the movie came out, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is that script, but it is not coming across the way I thought it was going to come, <laughs> right? So sometimes, you know, it's that it's that transition point that really becomes the, the, the bottleneck between the script and the screen. Sometimes it's a bad script. Sometimes it's a script that reads great, but you never know. Like, I, Kevin Feige's talked about this, too. Like, you just... Never know. You can be on set. You can think this movie is going to win our Oscars and stuff like that. But it's not until you're in the editing room and you're actually putting the movie together. Do you really know if this thing works or not? Rob, I'm sure you've had more than a couple of those experiences. Yeah, I mean, it's it. Look, it really comes down to what's on the page is not what you see. And that's where directing comes in, you know, knowing exactly what shots to use. And I think a lot of the time in a movie like Clash of the Titans, they had a lot of visual effects that are pre -vised. And when you look at, there's a lot of people that think, oh, we're done here. And it, it, it all just, it doesn't coagulate. It's like making a souffle that doesn't rise. Ooh. You know what I mean? Now, what an analogy. <laughs> You've been watching that. lots of Bake Off? Well, <laughs> I, I love the great British. I love Bake Off. I love it. I love it. All right. What's next? Walk softly. <laughs> Seconds from Disaster says, I'd like to point out that Gunn is a Cavill Superman fan since he put that silhouette in Peacemaker. Make way for Henry. Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know officially if he is. I like to believe that he's a big Henry Cavill Superman fan. And I also believe that probably they probably gave James Gunn a quick call. Listen, we are putting Superman in the end of Black Adam. You cool? Uh, so I, I would say yes. But yeah, that that appearance, that moment in that episode of Peacemaker, when three quarters of the Justice League shows up, and despite the fact that it's Ezra Miller in there, that fuck you, Barry. It's like one of the best lines ever in DC. Uh, it just, it really shows me, you know, of course, Wonder Woman and that, but you don't see Gal and Superman, you don't see Henry, but they had their silhouettes there too. Such a great moment in that show. All right, what's next? Andy says, I'm with Rob. I didn't think this Green Lantern TV show was going to come. I thought it was going to get scrapped for a, a GL movie instead, which I much prefer. It all depends on what their vision for it is, which we, we really don't know yet. And listen, this thing may, whenever something has to go back to the square one, it, now it's got to face all the hurdles again, right? Now we got to find out if it has its own development problems, stuff like, and maybe it doesn't ever come and maybe it will turn into a movie at some point, but it, it's interesting. Listen, say this, this is something I really respect about David Zaslav's Warner Brothers. If they believe something isn't working. They know that the financial cost of killing the thing that isn't working is less expensive than the long-term financial cost of putting out bad product and what that does for the reputation of your product. 
They showed that with Batgirl. And if they're willing to say, look, we've already put in two years of development. We've had all these scripts written. We've had all this money spent. But we don't think this is the show we should do. They as a studio being willing to go, then you know what? It's less expensive for us to take the loss right now and put out a better product that's going to resonate with our audiences more. That's the better go. And not every studio would do that, Rob. And, no. and I love the fact that this studio is willing to, to pull those triggers. And I like that a lot. And I, you know, I think it's also a plan to like the Berlanti era of this kind of thing. It's just, it's just ending. It went for, mm. they had a great run. They did a lot of good stuff. It's just coming to an end. All right. What's next? Abhinav says The Rock's daughter Simone made her shocking but much anticipated debut on WWE Next last night. She looks just like The Rock. I remember seeing about a month or two ago that his daughter was getting ready to be, make her debut. Did you see this? No. Uh, so, but I totally forgot all about it. I have not seen it. I'm going to have to look up some footage Ooh, and see how that's she did. Fun. That's that's she's third generation now because mm -hmm. The Rock's dad was famously a great wrestler, and then The Rock. And then now her, mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting to see. All right, what's next? Wow, I didn't realize she was that old. Uh, the Richard sends in some support. And Fridu Valco sends in some support. Thank you guys for just sending in some support there. And guys, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campion Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Once again, don't forget, we got two other videos today. A little bit later at 3 p.m. Los Angeles time, we have our Andor open spoiler after show talking all about Andor last night. We hope you'll come on by and join us for that. And then later tonight, Right around 9.30 p.m. Los Angeles time. That'll be, that's like just past midnight on the East Coast there. But it's worth it. Rob and I will be doing reaction watch for Black Panther 2 as the first reactions come pouring out and what will probably end up being the one of, if not the biggest film of the year. We hope you guys will join us for that. So guys, for myself, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett, the wonderful Chris Carr. Taylor's been over there keeping track of everything. Producer Jonathan Voiko, And of course, Alu Moana. My name's John Campia. Thanks a lot for being here, guys. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.